challenges the whole car industry. And then Polestar, when they get out, I mean, like they, it's, they have sold something to me, which is clearly going to be over the air updates. Yeah. Do you think they had that the first couple of months? No. I mean, like they, they were needing to push to launch the car and all that in, mm-hmm. in Corona times. So even the car is not ready. So the, the over the air updates started to work like uh, two, three months into I had the car. I had, I had one of the early cars. Mm-hmm. But it's an interesting thing because it, it tells us, number one, Tesla has pushed the whole car industry to what is a given standard. And I won't settle for anything less. Mm-hmm. And, and, and secondly, is <coughs> that easily copied, apparently, right? So, you know, and to what get do you think about the Polestar versus Tesla? I guess you read in a Tesla as yeah, well, so you can I, compare I, it. Oh, this is a good one. And for me, the Polestar, uh, I mean, like in many ways, the rational buy, the rational buy mm. is, is uh, it depends on what criteria you work, but for many criteria, uh, the Tesla would win simply because it's more uh, from a software perspective and how, how the whole uh, infrastructure or mm. ecosystem works, uh, the whole experience is superior, right? With, with the charging stations and everything like this. Mm. Uh, but Polestar to me, uh, for me, it's bottom line. I didn't find the model I wanted. I mm. mean, like I, 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 I didn't want the Model S. I wanted mm. more something like, uh, like the Model 3, but I don't, I really want the hatchback. Mm. So it's sort of very, very pragmatic uh, things turned me to the Polestar. And then I'm, I, I love the design of the Polestar. I mean, like design always puts people in different corners, right? <laughs> Did you like it or you don't like it? I kind of like that design. Uh, so not rather, really rational anymore, right? We should be rather proud that we have in Sweden. You know, I think a, it's the biggest contender, I would say to Tesla at least, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, or, what I, do you think, Nina? Yeah, I think that's um, from an, you know, feature perspective. Yeah. Uh, there are really cool stuff that, that the, uh, I'm more proud of the fact that, as you say, it's like a Swedish and, you know, you have all the Swedish experience and the order of force and all of that mm-hmm. kind of experience. But, but, uh, it's not, it's not a Tesla. No, it's not a Tesla. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> but, um, and, but, but I would love to, you know, you want to match race, you know, we can do that. We can, we can race afterwards. Yeah. And Postal doesn't have FSD, right? But yes. But you actually bought that, right? So yeah, add, add oh. that component into this. Um, honestly, I didn't know it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I had like, uh, there was some initial version of it and then you could add some additional top on. And then... And could it, you please explain yeah. what, 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 what is FSD? Yeah, what is FSD? This, this autonomous driving uh, capability. And what does FSD stand for? I know what it is, but I don't know what the acronym stands for. Full self-driving? Yeah. Or is it full straight, yes. Is it or full service? Full, 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 full self-driving. Yeah. And I think there is like one, two, three, four, five, like a levels defined what is really full service driving. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this then needs to be understood in the context that the feature set of the Tesla car mm. evolves over time with the on-air updates. Mm. So they sell you on, you will, as we are going along, we will be more and more autonomous. Mm. And if you want to future-proof your car from the beginning, you mm. pay this upfront. Yeah. And the feature set of FSD in the beginning was quite limited. Yeah. And, and now it's more No, and more. it's growing. Yeah, it's growing. Have you, made, have, have you changed, have you experienced the maturity gro- growing because I think they made some major leaps over time. They have, uh, I think one of the things that, that actually kind of saved my life is one of these, I mean, yeah, it sounds funny when you say my life. I used to drive to Nortelje mm-hmm. and, you know, with all the kids yelling in the background and, you, you know, Nortelje E18 can get quite, you can go quite fast if you like mm-hmm. <laughs> when the police is not there. Uh, and, and, um, you know, you're trying to, uh, 
trying to what do you call it um, get the, get off the attention from the kids in the background and you know hitting you and yelling in the <laughs> background and trying to drive and sometimes you you start your start trying to drift to another because lane looking more back than for yeah yeah because you know you're like, uh, do yeah. like that and 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 what happens then is that the Tesla has this inbuilt capability of you know not only kind of you know do 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 you are dropping off but actually then it returns back uh, right. So that's the kind of small nudges they will do yeah. uh, to to bring it in the right direction, and you can actually put that, you know, please just nudge me or actually, you know, steer me, steer yeah. me. Yeah. So that was one of the funnest things, and then you have all of this, you know, things that uh, you know auto park for yourself. Honestly, never you, tried it yeah. because I don't dare. And there's a whole th- sum on the car. Have yeah, you, have, you, I mean, have you used it? No, you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna use that. Honestly, it's really cool to have it, but uh, where would you dare to do that? In, in Kung Solman, you Some know, I tried to park. Why not? I mean, if you have it parked, you know, a street uh, down, you know, from your port, c- couldn't you simply use it? Do uh, you know, have you seen our streets? It's like <laughs> in the winter, it's like two meters snow front in the back. <laughs> and in yeah. between is every second, every second car is like a bag of this, um, you know, constructions. Yeah. So, so I think I've actually tried sometimes to see, um, you know, the sensitivity of the sensors to see how, how would that react. Mm-hmm. And that's like, uh, you know, sometimes it's smart, sometimes it's less smart to say it like that. Yeah. So that's, that, that's the cool part. I mean, I mean, there are other more practical stuff, mm-hmm. uh, like the sensors that feel, um, when the windshields, you know, goes off and on. And, you know, going back to, and I think talked about this before, and it's like, you know, I got an update over there and it told me that now we have actually analyzed two and a half million pictures of, of you know, raindrops Rain, in our deep learning model. <laughs> and now we have applied that. So it's going to be more sensitive. Uh, that's cool. That's cool. And that is actually cool. I mean, and, you know, I'm sometimes thinking about what I'm trying to do in the, in the bank. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, to make the but one of the best features that I enjoyed the most uh, in the Polestar I have right now is that it has adaptive headlights. Maybe maybe this is not so very uh, fancy, but mm-hmm. the whole idea that you when you drive at night and you and you're completely on 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 full beam the whole time, mm-hmm. and then basically feeling. I mean, like the, the, the headlights basically moves when the car comes and starts taking it away from mm-hmm. the other car and then back again. Mm-hmm. I think that is. Quite cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if you want to drive, you know, distances where there's yeah. a lot of sorts of things happening and you want yeah. to, and it's getting darker. Yeah. But, but things like if in, in, in you drive on, um, s and there's a lot of traffic, mm. the whole thing that you put in on the auto- automatic and then it drives for itself because that's, you know, stopping yeah. and, and then that's you nice. can put in the sensitivity of, you know, now this, this truck tries to jump in and, and you're, it yeah. actually stops very quickly. Yeah. So that kind of thing on things. But I mean, it's, it's a user experience. Yeah. So what about the you have to talk a bit more. Mm-hmm. Did you try it? What do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, I've tried it in also in um, before getting the car uh, in some sort of a you know simulation like environment. In a, mm-hmm. and and um, it is um, it is cool. Uh, it is interesting. Um, you know, it's more interesting actually. You look at it from from outside uh, because it really feels like you know, if someone actually sitting there behind and experience it. Uh, a normal driver and a human being. Uh, when you're inside, um, you know, maybe it's me, but you can't really relax fully. It's not like you're going to, you see sometimes on YouTube and you're going to sleep. Be, be a bit more practical. I mean, normal lane keeping you can do without FSD. Mm-hmm. What does FSD actually add to the previous version um, that you didn't have before? I think there's different things. There's the fact that you can actually drive around and, and you will route it. You will tell it like, um, I want to go from point A to point B. But is that allowed even in Sweden to do that? Uh, no. 
Nope. No, no. <laughs> Hence, reason why I don't try it. <laughs> so, if you were to get into an accident, uh, you would be liable, I guess. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I, I've always kind of dreamed about that. Sometimes when I drive too fast on on E18, if of course uh, <laughs> if the police stops me, like, yeah. Can I say? Can I say? I mean, I was on autopilot. <laughs> how, how would what would be the reaction there? Let Elon Musk pay. Yeah. <laughs> there is double fine. <laughs> but there is a good, there is a pretty cool YouTube video. If you Google it, uh, the first autonomous drive, I think it's from LA to San Francisco or mm. from something like that. It's like, it's sped up. Uh, and uh, so you can see the car moving and Elon Musk is talking about the, the roadmap and what they are planning. So it's some sort of investor meeting where basically he's playing, he's playing the video mm. and basically uh, traffic, city traffic, mm. uh, highway traffic, fully autonomous. Mm. That, that is that is the intention of the yeah, the and, capability. And so, and so technology and, and and he then in this video talks about well the, now we're down to the level to where the uh, algorithm is looking for what they call drivable space. So basically, when you do lane key, you know when mm. you're in heavy traffic, switching lanes, mm. what is the safe distance you need to have around you? And, and so, I don't know. So they're getting quite sophisticated on this. Mm. Oh, it's it's. Um that's cool. I, I think one one thing that intrigues me about Tesla is not all so it's not about necessarily the car or the experience. Now it's the fact that I want to be somewhere in a position where I can be part of this technical revolution. Yes. So I just I don't want to be on a stage or you know <laughs> and talk about it and you know sit behind a laptop and writing piece of code. Uh, that's fun as well. Yes, yeah, that's fun as well. It was a long time ago I did that, to be honest. Mm. But uh, I want to be part of that actual implementation yeah. of technology. Or using I agree. It, so. yeah. Using it. And, and basically, to experience it will give you a completely different picture of how it actually works. I mean, like mm. the simple fact to have a, an electric car and then drive a long distance, you know, mm. if you go to go skiing in Or and all mm. that. And I, I, I can tell that the first people who's been working on the product launches around the infrastructure, they didn't own electric cars. I can tell you that much because the fundamental things that is not really so, well, you, you, you need to drive to Aura two times and then you realize that was not really smart the way they did that. I wonder how many millions they burnt on this. <laughs> cool, yeah. we so you, need to, you need to use the tech in order to yeah, yeah, yeah. be well, part of it. True, true. We always get stuck at Elon Musk and never get out of that at all. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's fun. park that discussion. I'm sure we get back to it many times uh, later this night. But before we do that, who is Nima Gurbani and how will you wait, describe? Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, wait. wait. Oh, of course. Sorry, Goran, go for it first. We need to present him on the right way, right? Yeah. <laughs> Tell us his story, Nima. So, who is Nima Gerbani with Get a Superstar? Uh, and how, how do we come? How, how do we end up here? Yeah, that's. Um, do you want a long story or the short one? No, I mean, I can. Um, so, it is actually. I'm a ghetto kid. Yeah. So you know, moved. Uh, my parents moved to uh, from Iran to to Sweden. Uh, due to my father's work. And then we ended up in school too, no? Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. I doesn't know where that is. I have no idea. It is like 15 kilometers outside of Westeros. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, you know, Skultuna Messingsbruk. Yeah, you have your uh, uh, Altmöjligt. Yeah, Altmöjligt. Yeah, you have this, your... your um, Yeah, uh, and and it's a, it is a place of, of cl- uh, cultural clash. When you can come from Tehran, it's like, you know, 10 million people, a lot of people, a lot of, you know, crazy noises around you. 
you land in, in Stockholm and then you drive all the way, you know, to, to Västerås, then to Skultuna, on a rainy April. Yeah. And everything is green outside, right? Yeah. And I haven't seen that much green in my life, you know, coming from, uh, from Iran. So I, I then end up in there and then my father takes that out for a walk because he was here a bit, bit before. And then we'd start talking about that. Uh, where are all the people? Exactly. There's like 5,000 people living at that point in time when I came to, to Sweden. Mm. Um, so, so I was like, where is all the people? <laughs> 10 million in Tehran. Yeah. To, to yeah I mean, here is like 5,000 people. And what do you have in Westeros or in Skultuna? Or in Skultuna? In Skultuna, you have two streets, literally, in a cross. Yeah. And then at one end, you had that point in time, and I was looking at it in, you know, early 90s. Um, you have Ica and you had Konso. And that's it. So it's like, what, what, uh, what, what happens? Where is the rest? <laughs> it's like, that's a question you get, I guess. And, and system will like it? No yeah, system? no, 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 no. Oh my God, no, no system will like it. What was the definition of a city? Yeah, you know, I don't yeah. think they have a system will like it, it's a city. Yeah. But, but to fast forward, so that was like my uh, Swedish experience to begin with. And then it was, um, and then my, my, you know, I was like, this can't be it. I mean, we kind of need to go somewhere where there's actually people. And then I eventually ended up in, in, uh, in Stockholm. I was supposed to be a, a football player, you know. Oh, uh, you, you had your, that's your first passion. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's my, that's my passion. biggest passion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's, you know, the, the side that haven't, you know, left you yet. Yeah. You know, if you wake up one night and have a dream, that's, that's, that's the a real, that's, real yeah, job. Yeah, that's a real, that's a real job. Wh- which club? Which club? Exactly. Come on. Come on. Hammarby. No, no, international. Okay, Hammarby. Inter- international, I would say. Uh, you look like a real ha- guy. No, no, no. no, 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 no. Actually, I, I'm actually a Slatanist, I usually say. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I actually go where he's, he, he is because I like his yeah. uh, character. I, I like that Slatanist. I'm yeah. going to be a Slatanist. Yeah. So Sounds like horrible, that. but yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, um, but anyway, fast forward. I mean, ended up because I was going to play soccer in a football um, academy. My father got a job in, in, in in, uh, Stockholm, and then actually, then we moved into ghetto. Hence the song, uh, and the ghetto was Forsta, and now people's gonna, you know, no, the, the, the Forsta guys were not. Yeah, you were a ghetto guy then. Yeah, well, yeah. my girlfriend lives there, but yeah, yeah, no, but I mean, <laughs> Forsta, and it was Forsta Strand, which is the nicer part of the ghetto of Forsta, <laughs> at the end of the, uh, you know, Tunnelbanan, and and. Uh, uh, with, with regards to ghetto, you sit there and you having you know have a dinner in a nice house or apartment. And, and it's four in the afternoon, just as an experience of the ghetto is that we have a park and you know, green Volvo, mm-hmm. my father was proud of to bought outside parked. And while we are eating 4 PM, the guy is trying to break into the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was like, uh, is, is he supposed to do that? <laughs> so my father, you know, he comes, he goes down and then, and then Forsta was of course known for, I don't know that for, for, excuse me, you need to come back when it's darker. It's not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> like that it was like surreal 4 p.m come yeah. on really we haven't even had dinner yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah no, at least a bit later come on give us a little bit more credit you know so uh you know that was the ghetto story and then you know fast forwarding again in gymnasium Nora Real moving into you know here yeah then you said that you're basically walking outside the uh studio the yeah. office uh, on your way to school yeah this is your home turf this is my home turf and you know the whole cultural clash of everyone in my class were were you know the son of uh, the Riksbankschefen or the mother of Arno some big lawyer here and, and then you know we come from a still an educated background but living in Forsta 
Mm-hmm. So that was one of the other clashes uh, yeah. in the story of my life. And uh, so, uh, and since I still felt quite proud for where I came from mm-hmm. uh, and the whole ghetto, because I think it, it influenced me to work harder mm-hmm. uh, and, and not taking anything for granted, that kind of stuck to it. And, and hence the ghetto superstar. <laughs> but, but moving very quickly then, I mean, yeah, football, soccer, gymnasium, you know, going to university, ended up in Kotehua. Mm-hmm. Um, industrial economy because I didn't know what I was going to be. So take something where you can go anywhere. Yeah, that was my father said. Uh, but I was, of course, again, turned out to be uh, the black sheep of the family because if you come from Iran, you know you know what that is? Doctor, that is doctors, dentists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say dentist. Dentist is a very big yeah. important thing. So because whenever they call back home, Uh, to you know, to run to, to brag about their kids, it's like uh, you know, grandma. Uh, you know what your grandson has become? No, he's an industrial economist, engineer kind of thing. I was like, what is that? He's not a doctor. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Give me something I can understand. Yeah. So is that it or engineer? You could you could go with engineer. So I started turning off the engineer, and then that actually led to the fact that I I you know started the um, uh, computer science and then started the communication system. And what year was this approximately? Was it? This was uh, I graduated in uh, 2000. 2000. Uh, I started so it is graduated from gymnasium 2000. And I started the Kotowat in the same year because the whole idea of also that you go out on this you know backpacking trips two years was like. No, no, you, you go to Kotehoa. That's, that's where you're supposed to go. So then I was like five years at Kotehoa, um, doing communication systems. It also was an interest into the business applications. And so there was marketing, quite a lot of marketing with communication systems. Uh, interesting combo. You know, one day you're studying all of this, uh, how to program uh, network switches and, you know, for telecom. And then the second day is like, um, consumer behavior, consumer behavior and the four P's and uh, all of that sort of concept. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that also led me to, I ended up in in um, in Texas in Austin. Yeah, you did the uh, part of your university. Yeah, yeah, I got some sort of a scholarship, and uh, that was a whole other experience. I don't know if you have time to talk about that, but if you guys, I can share a few highlights. I was there the same. You know, we don't have any limitations, so please go. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but one of the funny parts is that I actually went there the same year. There was. Uh, um, oh, there had been a, the past year. There was been this nine um, eleven. Ah, so I was going uh, the year after that one. Was it seven? Eight? 2011, right? 11. No, 11 yeah, 2011. So I think That's I was there 2012 one. or something like that. <laughs> Just about. Uh, I was there a week before 2011, uh, 9-11 actually. So I went home like a it's yeah, so few far, days. It's so a long time ago, it feels so. It's two, 9-11, is that 2007? That must be the dumbest <laughs> comment in a long time. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, that's okay. That's okay. I, I own that's, it. I own it. That, I own that's it. fine. Yeah. Um, so I was there, and and uh, the whole process of actually getting a visa to get there because you have an Iranian background, you know, that's a whole another story. But I, actually, I got there, and this is Austin. So Austin is the capital of of um, of Texas, also hometown of George Bush, the president at that time. At that time. And everyone's going to go to war to fight, yeah. and I ended up in a dorm. The it's war of terror. Yeah, I ended up in a dorm with a bunch of redneck Americans, in some extent, mm. and um, at this point in time, at this point in time, and and you know, you, you try to have some sort of a civilized conversation about the bigger things in life, like you know, the you know, uh, right or wrong or peace and 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 you know, uh, religion and all that kind of things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not there, not there. No, 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 no. Get, get the red cup out yeah. and have play beer pong, and then you'll be okay. Yeah, I mean, that, so that was the experience, and when, because everyone's going to go to war, everyone's going to go. Okay, we're actually gonna, one one of my roommates came in and said, "You know what? You know what? You know, I don't know what. I'm I'm I've been enlisted now, so they're going to send me." 
And I was like, okay, congrats. You know, do you know where Iraq is? No. <laughs> it's France. Somewhere there. Do you know where Europe is? No. no. <laughs> do you know where, I mean, it was like, no. yeah, so I understand that's a whole thing. But that is also an experience that kind of enriches your life. So and were I, you, how, how long were you? In I think it was uh, less than a year. Yeah. Uh, so it was, it was like one semester or two semesters. Yeah, I think it was more about one and a half. Or two. It was supposed to be two, but I was more scuba diving <laughs> <laughs> the latter part of the second semester yeah. because that was apparently a course you could take at the University yeah. of uh, University Marine of, Biology. Yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> uh, but it was fun. Um, and then got back and then actually started working as a, um, you know, management consultant, which was supposed to be a really cool thing. Uh, and that brought off me to a, um, you know, a long uh, life in a suitcase and uh, <laughs> and traveling across. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, basically, uh, that's my wife uh, jokes about that. You know, in the first couple of five years, we did um, Stambit in my apartment. Uh, and I was all the way in, always in Norway, in Stavanger. It was a consultancy and, and, you know, so, you know, when I stop, stop meet someone to ask you, where do you want the pipes and how do you want, you know, what kind of colors you want? So you weren't there. I wasn't there. So it was like, you know, and the FaceTime and things wasn't working that fine. So it was like, okay, go with something that goes very fine. And, and everyone turned out green. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, and then consultancy uh, got that. But then, you know, when kids life comes into your life and you start thinking other priorities, uh, you oh, sorry, that was in Accenture? Or yeah, it was in Accenture. Yeah, yeah. true. And I was in Accenture. Uh, it was a really cool experience because it's like a cult. You know, the first weeks they sent you to uh, St. Charles. It's an, uh, I don't know if you know St. Charles. It's a, another redneck outside of Chicago mm-hmm. area. And then you were actually really brainwashed. So like you come in and there's a re- room of 10,000 people, but literally. I mean, a lot of people because they... Mm-hmm put together all the new new joiners and and, and send them. And you get the do you get the Accenture indoctrination you know what you experience? got you know what you get no. you get bill that was a ceo of, of Accenture, bill. you get Bill. So, doom, 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 what happens? And Bill enters the, the stage. Oh. And he welcomes you. And then he talks about, this is the beginning of the rest of your life or something yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. this goes on. And, and but I think it's, it's, it's a fantastic network. Uh, mm. you, you get to be structured. That's what you learn. Yeah. So, this, so whatever you like it or not, you mm. learned a lot and you grow. And, you know, it's a lot of methodology and a lot of things that yeah. you, you, you have with you in your suitcase yeah. for the rest of your life. <laughs> true, true. So that was that was the what I usually joke about that I mean that's how you kind of when you uh, uh, approach a challenge or a problem whether that is an AI or something else it's a matter of how you structure it mm. how you chop up the elephant mm. so that was the that was the, the school that formed in that direction and then uh, you know consultancy was working fine but you know you can't put 80 hours a week mm. no. <laughs> I mean like you maybe you have other priorities or you have uh, yeah, there, there, there could be a good thing, but it could also be something where you, in the end, you've done it and you want to do something. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, two beautiful kids, uh, and then you end up and thinking, you know, I can't do this. So, so, um, took a detour via, <laughs> what was it? it it's, uh, it was an venture cap focusing on oil in China. Really? Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. <laughs> with the promise of private jets and, and, you know, it was a whole lot of things. So, so you know, I, uh, so that was like, oh, um, interesting. I should try this on. <laughs> you know, the first week we ended up in Sermat. Ah, uh, starts like, good. Yeah, it starts good. Like helicopter drops. I, I barely skied, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so you end up there, helicopter drops and it's like super fancy and everyone was like top geared. And I come here with like, you know, 
stadium bought some something something like that and <laughs> try to barely down make it down the hill before killing myself uh, but that works and and but that is a very tough year uh, for us in that company because the business model wasn't really sustainable in that sense in my opinion uh, uh, but then actually that's how I got in contact with with uh, with where I'm here uh, right now with, with, with the bank Swedbank right. and when was the year you joined Swedbank mm, 2013 13 yeah So that's that's so we that's it. That's how it all uh, starts. Before we move into the Swedbank story, yeah. uh, we also have a special guest here today, Anders Lindén. Um, you may not see him in, on the camera, but he's he's running around. Oh, you, here. Oh, you can see him. Oh, oh you can. Oh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you can wave on the camera now. <laughs> <laughs> but we are honored, and, and it's a bit of a special occasion tonight because it's the 30th episode of the AIF to Work podcast. <laughs> it's a big commitment. <laughs> and we also got listed uh, in the top 100 AI podcasts in the world, which is kind of a big That's, thing as well. Yeah, right? we, we were, yeah, that was uh, awesome thing. faster than yeah. we thought. Yeah. But uh, people Anders get, will be here t- uh, today and also take a lot of pictures and perhaps also bring in some comments and co- uh, questions if, if we may. Yeah, if you can hear me. I don't know. We <laughs> can hear you in the background. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and we joked to say, like, yeah, after the corona, this is the way it should be. There's an afterwork AI afterwork of, of the industry going on upstairs, and it's like, Nima, oh, we have a question for you. Can you come down? Oh, and then so Anders is bringing a little bit about this flavor today. That yeah, that's cool. Like the, you hire a photographer to shoot the party, but the, the party ends up in the basement where the podcast is going because it's that's so much more interesting. So much more fun. That's it. You know, as, as <laughs> you said it before, the party is always in the kitchen. Mm. This is the new kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> the data kitchen. The data kitchen. <laughs> that's the brand, by the way. Yeah. So if you have a question, just come kitchen. around here and speak in my mic later if you if you have some questions. So yeah. you, you can just jump in at any time. You know, that's the, how we roll a bit. You know, yeah. improvising a lot. So, yeah. but I guess that's that's uh, you know, I'm trying to read that. I said, like, who is Nima Gurbani? I guess that is a little bit fast forwarding. But but I mean, in in everything aside, it's um, um, it, it's uh, it's been a long journey, and who's kind of where I'm ended up right here, uh, yeah. and and sitting with you guys. Um, I like to have fun in life. I don't like to look very seriously at things, which is an interesting within the position I have right now. In a bank. <laughs> fighting in a bank. <laughs> <laughs> But I think it life deserves to be t- taken with a with a smile. Yes. Um, good, 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 good. Uh, and and uh, um, I really am excited about all the things that's happening right now. I think we we are living in an extremely excited time. Yeah. And how we can go about to leverage that into actually make something good out of it. So yeah, I think that's, awesome. you know. But speak a bit about how did you get in contact with Swedbank and how did that story happen? Uh, that was actually, I think that was me applying for a job, something like that. Yeah. Uh, then I got to meet a really, um, um, uh, I got in contact with the, the Mickey um, Björknert, um, who is currently the head of the... Um, the largest business area in in Swedbank, which is the Swedish banking, the Swedish part of the operations, and and um, a super inspiring leader, uh, a guy who I can resonate with, and, and and a progressive thinker. So, at that point in time, when when he shared his vision and what he wants to do, and and the kind of support he needed, I thought that was wow. This sounds like something I can help with, and and you know, banks sounded really really boring, <laughs> and I was like, can it be fun? So I thought, let's give it a try. 
uh, and and uh, working with him and then his team later on. And then I was very much involved in, uh, actually it's interesting, at that point in time, spent like six month or so in a basement lock or in a lock in a war room, like <laughs> designing the future digital organization. Mm. And then one of the components or boxes where I put on the board was actually something around analytics or, or intelligence or actually making use of data. Business intelligence. It, uh, actually, it was more smart. And it was, we still had a lot of business intelligence, uh, but it was more about me, me. We should be able to do something a little bit more smarter with our data okay. than just create a bunch of reports. Uh, and, and before that, I had been involved in a lot of different projects where it was about how we can monetize data and how we can actually understand disruptive new technologies to, and in the context, for example, of telecoms. I was in, in, in um, Italy working with Operator Wind and, and they were making, you know, three digital million investments to get a very European Union into expanding broadband. Mm. And they questioned, okay, if you want to do a three digital million investment, how would you, what kind of services would you run on that? What kind of things you can actually do to leverage the massive amount of capacity and data you can utilize? Mm. So at that point, you know, we were talking about, okay, maybe you can actually have intelligent, you know, robotic surgeries being done using, you know, high speed internet, mm. or you can actually have things like doctor.se, which you have right now, or Cree or something like that. Mm. And now at that point, it was like, no, that's not going to happen. You know, if you sit and sipping your wine in, in a countryside in Italy. So that was the kind of things I was involved in. And that has always been sort of a bit of a passion to see how we can be, how we can expand our mind. Yeah. And what was the first roles when you, what, what were, you know, how was that the first years framed from it? Like what role did you have in the bank then? A little bit to see how the progression in the yeah, bank. Yeah, I think it's, it's, I think first title was something like a management advisor, mm -hmm. something like that, uh, which basically means you can do anything. But then quickly moved on to actually then, then being in, in responsible for putting together this, you know, the box I actually draw on a whiteboard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And Nikki was like, okay, I mean, now you, you actually need to go build it then if, if it's not there. But, but I mean, we had like, um, we had a bunch of a probably very classical setup, like a bunch of fragmented functions, people sitting here, people even calling themselves data scientist or analyst or analytics or whatever, uh, but very fragmented working with this. And then what we tried to do over, you know, the coming five, six, seven years was to try to actually consolidate that. And then as part of that journey, trying to, you know, outline what are the capabilities we need to have, not now, but in the three months or six months or a year or two years to be able to cater for these long-term objectives we have. If you want to have imperial, you know, superior, imperial, superior user experience, or you want to fight financial crime or whatever that might be, seems like reasonable to rely on data. So you said fragmented. Do you mean that um, at that time they had like analysts or data scientists spread out throughout the organization and yeah. you tried to consolidate them and organize them in a... But exactly, exactly. That was the... So we had one guy and it was quite isolated in the sense that, you know, there was one guy sitting and maybe he had access to some, some you know, old data warehouse where he could pull out some BI reports. Maybe he could run a linear regression on it. He was using, you know, someone could use uh, SPSS, <laughs> mm, yeah. you know, a drag and drop yeah. kind of stuff. And, 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 um, it was all really because, I mean, people were really making impact, but, mm. but it couldn't really scale. Mm. No, and I think we have had a lot of conversations on this, and this is almost that we should park it. But it's yeah. the interesting part is that a lot, it seems like a trend that a lot of people have had fragmented uh, approaches to and, and have, having a spread out uh, analytical environment. Mm in silo, mm. very limited, not scalable. 
And then it seems to, uh, there, there is a trend that you need to consolidate, not only on, on organization point of view, but also technology and how you work mm. until then ultimately spread out again in order to have domain knowledge close to, I mean, like AI and domain knowledge close to each mm-hmm. other. So it's a little bit like in order to, in order to harmonize a, a modularized approach, you kind of need to take steps first to consolidate and mm. then when but, we but have let that, it. Let's, but let's, 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 I mean, it, let's go a bit, I think. With okay, it. Let's, uh, okay but, so we... But what, what do you think the pros and cons? I mean, you came in, it was a bit fragmented. Mm. Um, and what's the cons? What's the drawbacks of having a fragmented uh, organization like that? And what is the added value of having a more centralized no, or different organization? No, what the, the issues we could see at that point in time was, and, and, and honestly, we still see that, mm. uh, yes. because it's the lifelong journey. I'm not really sure we will ever get there, but that's in an enterprise, it's a lifelong. Yeah. Um, it was a fact that, you know, you don't reutilize assets. You don't have a common base. You know, you can, you can talk about things like CI, CD or DevOps or, mm-hmm. you know, actually industrializing, putting things in production to make things really integrate part of key business processes. It was, it was more at, at best, it was a piece of report with, you know, some sort of an, you know, standard deviation metrics to it or, you know, the R2 numbers to it. And then like, Hey, here you go. Here is your, you know, here is your linear regression. Yeah, but, perfect. But, or, but is it fair to say that when you start fragmented like that, mm-hmm. none has really an industrialized approach. It's very, yeah. and it's very personal based how far mm-hmm. they've gone and all that. So it's not really enterprise value. It's not really enterprise and culture. It's, it's down to human capital or one individual mm-hmm. who is sort of passionate to take a, a silo somewhere. Right. Mm-hmm. True. And, and then, and in order to get this to scale and to become an enterprise muscle, mm-hmm. that's when you start thinking about, okay, how do we consolidate first? Yeah. Is that fair? That's uh, that's exactly how we thought actually yeah. at that point in time. But, but I think at many times we underestimated and to some extent still underestimate these things, basic things, which, you know, I've talked about before is that, you know, it's, you, you invest in a lot of cool tech, mm-hmm. bring in your GPUs and your deep learnings, but you don't, you know, your data is not right. Yeah, your data is not right. And your processes or organization to work. Yeah. Yeah. So that's sort of a challenge. And, and I think we were, you know, we, we were really proud that we could attract a lot of good people. You know, we were always like, oh, it's a bunch of PhDs coming in. And, you know, when people come in, they have ambitions, they want to evolve. So they want to give them the cool tools so they can continue building and innovating. But then actually when trying to put this in production in a massive, large scale, especially in very critical processes, what happens is that you look at, you know, you don't have your data lineage or you know, challenges on the data side, or, you know, you can't even dream about having real time scoring or interference and so, stuff so like that. So what is your like optimal solution to this? Because, you know, you can at least try to pros and cons of having people embedded closely to the business mm-hmm. that you have. And you can have pros and cons with having also, you know, centralized people and potentially mm-hmm. they're a bit disconnected from the business then. Mm-hmm. Um, but what would you say if you were to like uh, re-architect, so to speak, the organization of data scientists in Swedbank? What do you think that the best like design of that would be? The things we actually did now in the, since January in my new role, but uh, but that that would be kind of like a semi-federated model. We're talking mm-hmm. about it. Yes, that you have your you still have your core. You have a core center of excellence kind of set up where, right. where you... So more fo- long-term thinking kind of group. That yeah, I mean, you have that in place. Actually, we actually have that in place right now where you try to foster the the thinking or alignment of standardization processes. Um, and then you have your satellites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
right. embedded into closer to the business lines. So, so it's yeah. a hybrid organization, right? So you could describe it as a hybrid. There's and, probably different have, have names. Have you used the terminology hub and spoke, or have yeah, you, what's, yeah. what's this? That was one of the you know, one of the consultant slides someone has showed on one of the conferences. Yeah. In the hub so, and spoke, so, yeah. so hub and spoke is one concept that's been floating around, and that's mm. one way of explaining that. Mm. How far have you talked about, uh, I think uh, the next way of explaining distributed in different ways, mm. we've, we've talked about data mesh. Mm. It, it's been sort of hijacked by the architects and the data engineers, <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's actually a, an organizational practice, mm. to be honest. Mm. Have, because to me, this is hub and spoke to understand the core principles, what is happening within the domain and mm. what is happening centrally. I mean, like mm. if, if I make an analogy, we build a factory and we have pa- people working on the f- overarching factory mm. and then we have people working in different assembly lines with different purposes yeah so have you you know is, is that resonating with how you're thinking right now or how are you thinking mm. hub and spoke because hub and spoke is easy to say mm. you know top level mm. but when you start digging into it how to implement it uh, it's going to be tough it, uh, it's different you know then then you get really hardcore i i think if we've used analogy uh, where i've been working hotel lounge hotel lobby and hotel room or or <laughs> factory and assembly line. Do you see what I mean, right? Yeah. What is common? What is uh, what mm. is we all should use? What's the standards in order to have autonomy, mm. but at the same time not have fragmentation? I think the biggest challenge for us has been that both of these uh, organisms yes. or parts are might run in different pace. Yes. Mm. And and they should ideally be aligned. Mm. Because I mean, yes, you could set up your, you can go out and recruit your three people, data scientists or analysts or whatever you call it in some corner. Yeah. And what well, well, now I have my, you know, satellite so I can start working. Yeah. But you still have the challenge which you had actually seven years ago because you still don't have the, the central core capabilities, the standardization. No. Mm. Uh, so, and, and trying to align these time wise, I think that's been the biggest challenge for us because everyone is driven. Everyone wants to you know, leverage the value of data and foster the new yeah. oil and all of that. But, 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 but let's, let's really stick here and let's peel the onion on this problem. Mm. Why is it so important that they are aligned? Why, you know, so the satellite guys would argue something, oh, you're holding us back. We can go faster. You're a bottleneck. Mm. We want to go in our satellite. But mm. why won't that work? I have my very clear, it, it will not scale in my mm. opinion. You will not be able to share data if you haven't set standards around sharing data yeah. as an example. There, there you go. I mean, you can't compare things. There is no, no quality control. And there's also in, which is important from a banking perspective, or actually in other, every industry is efficiency. Yes. Because you it can be so scale even. Yeah. I mean, you can utilize common assets. Mm. Yes. And, and that example we've seen, you know, there is one guy making the same thing, right? And one of the guys doing it. It's kind of very similar thing, but not really that. Um, building a similar solution, but it's usually in entire other data tables. And then we duplicate everything and it's point to point integrations. And here you go. And, and isn't it somewhere now? When you get deeper and deeper in, into this, a lot of the stuff that we do actually can end up as infrastructure as code. So the, the scaffolding, the, t- the templates, the way you set things up mm. can be reused, even mm. if the fundamental content or the purpose of the what whatever data management pipeline you have built mm. is different. And I think this is where people have a hard time understanding the industrial factory approach versus uh, custom shop approach. I mean, mm. like I joke and say, you have you have monkey garage, you know, you <laughs> like cars, you, you've seen the show, yeah, gas, ma- gas monkey garage. Mm. They, they build beautiful cars, mm. but they don't really build it in the same way as BMW in Stuttgart. No. Quite different. It's both beautiful, but one is quite proprietary custom mm. craftsmanship mm. and the other one is industrialized. 
So I think th- this is, if you want to get scale, if you want to get even the satellites to work more efficiently, you mm-hmm. kind of need the central team here as well. You or, do, you do. That's this, this, that's our philosophy. And, and, and I also seen the, another issue is that when you try to actually compare business value, yeah. Uh, it's going to be very different because everyone does it a little bit differently. It's like, oh, okay, but what does that mean in terms of ROI on the development cycle? Mm. You know, how much time did you actually spend on doing this? Mm. And, and then it comes another unit which, which happens to sit on some sort of product like production system who actually data is very, ne- you know, next corner. Mm. Um, and that becomes challenge because if you can't actually show the business value or, or provide a comparable ROI, mm. yeah. then really why doing it? Yeah, tough questions here, but I think it's a very important one, you know, how but, you, but do we, you organize. But, but more and more, I think the answer we get from very experienced mm. guests is you need both. You need hybrid, you need factory mm. people, you need assembly line people. Mm. And one driver is you need to have domain expertise and data science expertise close to really understand the content of your algorithm. Mm. But that's not the same to see that that we need to have factory as well, right? Mm. So the industrialized, so it's very much separation of what we are working on in the factory mm. or essentially versus this that I think now maybe 2021 is starting to get more clear. I think this was not so clear two, three years ago. We yeah. understood Hub and Spoke in concept, mm. but now I think we're starting to understand what's the difference in the, what we do. Do you think? <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I wouldn't really say that I think that a lot of other organizations actually understood it either 2021. I think it's still a journey. It's still a journey. It's still a very fair, long fair journey. Point. Yeah. Fair point. And, and, um, often again, there are a lot of fundamental things like, okay, fine. You agree on the organizational setup or the processes, but, but, but what does it take it to take you in, in that direction or actually even could say, when, when is it over or when is it done? Where is it in place? Mm-hmm. That definition of done is something also we always struggle with. I'm not sure I would call it assembly line or factory because I think, you know, when we enable domain experts to do the real thing, they should be the stars. I mean, in some way, it's, yeah. it, at least I, when I listened, it, it sounded like they're not. But I think the time when we can enable domain experts in whatever field of some product or part of the organization mm-hmm. to really do uh, take charge and drive the development and innovation, that's truly when the scaling of innovation happens. Mm. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. Uh, but I, I think I see our jobs is to put the right tools in their hands. Yes. Yeah, that's true. And, and, and that and becomes a service organization. Mm. So, so the factory and assembly line, I mean, like uh, Skonia, mm. <laughs> that's where I'm spending yeah. a lot of time right now. And then you need to find analogies and storylines that work yeah, yeah. in the mm. context you have. Mm. But I think some, some people may take offense. You know, yeah, it's and, and, yeah so, but, but, but oh. I think the, the whole idea is that we, we are trying to understand and learn, and as you say, it's a journey, mm. is that we have teams now that are starting to work in different business domains. So they are hardcore data engineers, even to the point where they are responsible for data products or data and algorithm products. Mm. But we, we want the central team to build the templates and scaffolding. So if, 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 if I want an event stream type data pipeline to, to run something, we can build that as a template, put that in GitLab, have that as, as, as a scaffolding mm. for when the next data domain team is kicked off. So basically the data domain team are the real heroes in terms of creating the business value. Mm. Yeah, because they then know exactly the problem they're trying should to we, solve. Should we practice a bit? I think it's, it's such an important topic and we keep, you know, <laughs> not being able to leave this topic. I'll add it to a list here. Uh-huh. Perhaps you can phrase it. What should be a good topic, a title, so to speak? Should it be, what is the purpose of the centralized team versus the domain team? Domain team. So, like so, so basically we are all working in one big happy family in, 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 mm. in, in, in 
in an, when I say industrialized, that's what I mean, like data factory style. Mm. And, and then basically we have different roles to play in here. Mm. And then what, what is the factory role and assembly line role would, would be one way of putting it or uh, central uh, or central team versus business domain teams. Nima, you know, what happened after that? So you worked a lot with trying to, you know, defragmentize, so to speak, <laughs> with, uh, the analysts in, um, in Swedbank mm. as well. Uh, what happened after that? I think we, we managed to, you know, move into this centralized direction, uh, established ourselves as a center of excellence or community of practice or whatever you want to put in that. And then we're trying to try to implement our solutions into different domains. Uh, and, and there was quite a lot of focus back in then. And that was probably, you know, 2014, 15, uh, on, on the retail business, trying to understand how we can leverage data to, um, tackle one of the biggest challenges in, in banking as an industry is to improve customer experience mm-hmm. and customer satisfaction. Bank, for some reason, yeah. <laughs> on, on the top list of customer satisfaction. Yeah. Um, so, so, and that's still a journey we are on and working on it. Um, so we spent quite a lot of time, all of these traditional models, which I'm sure Anders, you, you're working on as well, but with recommendations and, and next best actions and, you know, uh, can, you, can you give it a bit more concrete mm. examples? So this is for the bank still. It's not really for helping customers of Swedbank. It's really for the bank itself or what do you mean? Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's actually two, two sides. First, we started working within the bank to make sure that actually bank can sell more product. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. how do we make Internally more money? Efficient. Internally, yeah. yeah. Uh, so instead you can of also phrase it like helping customers to find the right product. Yeah, we can yeah, nest best action with the customer or actually the recommendation of what is best for you at that particular point in time. Yeah. We, I think I had the vision, <laughs> I still kind of have that vision. Don't really know if that vision is doable given where we are, but, but I would like to say when it comes to that retail side, and for us, it was quite a lot, or I was always wanted to say that I want to be able, and I don't mean this in a scary way, so don't, don't censor me, but it's, um, I want to be able to know the customer intent before the customer does it, don't know it itself. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? So I want to be able to, based on the customer's behavior, on experiential data, on whatever we available footprints we have to say, okay, probably Anders is, is keen on getting this or, or he's moving this into this stage of his life. So mm-hmm. what can we do in a proactive way from a banking perspective to provide us services to, to, to serve him mm-hmm. better? Yep. I, I honestly believe if you could do that, that would make him more happy or that would make you more happy. Absolutely. So that was the kind of experience we were looking for. And then that required a massive, massive lot of, you know, tech to make it happen. And, you know, ideally you want to have this you know, seamless experience of data coming in in real time. You pick up the signal, you have, you know, any sort of model that, you know, try to make some sort of intelligence of it, shoot some sort of recommendation, which is then packaged into some sort of cute, nice message wrapper, and then bang, it reaches you. And all of that in, you know, one of less than one, one and a half seconds. Looks so, good on PowerPoint. Yeah, and it looks really good on PowerPoint, you know. And I think I actually have like presentations about this on conferences. But that was, I mean, we, we, we like everyone else, very mature. Yeah. So to, de- to decompose that to the pipelines and algorithms yeah. and recommend the systems. Yeah. Interesting. So bring it down to more hand manageable. And then, uh, of course, we then moved on from those kind of ambitions. And we actually tried to put that in production, but, you know, we, we put down our ambitions, maybe not doing real time, but maybe do it, you know, in a batch and do it mm-hmm. a week later. Mm-hmm. Or, or could, next could day. Could still be quite good. Could still be quite good, yeah. Oh, and this uh, weekly and does it uh, weekly in Spotify. Uh, uh, it still works. Yeah. Weekly is not bad. Yeah. 
and, and then actually we could see some significant uplift. You know, we could actually see people like, wow, you know, that product recommendation or that service recommendation really, you know, um, converted in much higher rates than traditional. And how, how did you push it to the customers? Did you do it through the web page or through email or how did you push? It was different type of, you know, tradi- both traditional marketing or traditional sales channels. And of course it was more and more moving so, into. So traditional sales channel would be that we have a recommendation and we put it in, into the retail reps. Hand, yeah, it could be calls, like that. He calls yeah. the customer. Yeah, it could be something so like com- that. It could be hybrid. Yeah, it could be that. Useful. And then, um, so that was one model and maybe that was a model that was more working for corporate business because then you exactly. need to have the relationship and, you know, exactly. you can just, you know, push some message digitally. And then but consumer wise is too expensive. So you need to figure it out. In exactly. So, uh, you guys know <laughs> what we're talking about. So, so that was, that was the whole, um, the whole, you know, Nespex actions and then putting banners into web pages and, and trying to do, you know, in, in some sort of a context provide that recommendation so it feels relevant. Mm. And of course, then adding the personalized touch to it and, you know, messaging and so on. So that we worked quite a lot on and and and, and it showed good progress. I mean, we could see uplifting conversions and, and so on. And then we moved on to um, things like, can we, uh, let's take things like, um, if you want to buy a, um, you all know that a lot of people now, particularly in the pandemic, spend, uh, buy a lot of expensive credits. You're paying like 255% interest rates. They, like. they don't understand what they're doing. No, like they, they, they want to shop and they don't realize what yeah, they're doing. Yeah, what does for. it mean? I mean, they, I mean, this is like basic math that you should be able to do and basic, you know, sound financial economy. So, people uh, yeah, so unfortunately they are being exploited. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and of course you get this really, you buy your TV, and you get this 255 or 2000 percentage, you know, interest rate. And it's like, wow, that was an expensive TV. Uh, um, but what we want to do, we were trying to see if we can actually provide a service with a nice interface actually towards the end customer directly uh, to say, okay, guys, here is a, um, and behind that, I was quite really cool, you know, cash flow prediction model, which comes really sophisticated, you know, um, neural network architecture behind the multi-layer was like, 25 billion rows of code. And I don't know, it was massive. And it actually worked. <laughs> quite technical stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was quite technical stuff. But, but, uh, so we spent quite a lot of on that part. But then we realized if we can't connect it to, to a proper user interface, it, no one's going to understand it. So we actually wow. then went, we, we went to Mickey Bjorklund again, uh, to investment committee and I said, guys, so, and when we have this really great guy who is actually has a background in communication and he comes in like, no, 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 you're not going to sell it like that. Go back, you know, I will put every line of code somewhere down. No one's going to see it, but I will build, uh, build some sort of, you know, chat, with, yeah, chat GUI with chatbot on it. And, and then that was like, wow. So you guys could go in and you can ask this question to this chatbot. Hey, can I afford a TV? Or I don't know, can I afford this car? And, and the chatbot will in the background do this, you know, prediction of your, of your cash flow based on your income and all of that services. And then, then tell you, eh, you probably can't. But hey, here is a, you know, a link to a, you know, affordable consumer loan credit, which uh, with not 3000% interest rate, actually, you know, 3.5% or something like that. Or it could actually say that depending on, you know, um, your behavioral and your, your, your purchasing behavior and your other data, we could say that, yeah, yeah, you can afford this, but have you considered to actually, instead of a new TV, put that on into savings? Because with the savings, you could actually get growing your money. Yeah, if you do it like this instead, you can buy your TV outright yeah, yeah. in two years. Yeah. 
So uh, and so that was what, you know when we evolved into that direction of of, of retail and, and trying to put, put and, that. And, and how far have you? I mean, like let's take a couple of examples. Mm. That is now in production. Mm. So these how how many things of these is from idea stage to POC stage to sort of production stage? Mm. I would I would honestly unfortunately say that there is a lot of lot of great ideas, a uh, lot of POCs, MVP one, two, and three, and four, and fives. Um, but we have struggled quite a lot with productionizing it. And, and, and when we say production in the bank, what, what does production mean for you? In, uh, in for us, it means the end-to-end integration into a business process. So it's back into the core PNL yeah. and the normal way of yeah. selling. Yeah. When it comes to just, you know, this Nespex actions recommendations, that, mm. that those were implemented because mm. there you did not have full end-to-end integration to all the processes because you could still theoretically output a list and then tell the rep to call that list, right? You need to bid all the business this processes. this is why, you know, this whole augmented intelligence we think is maybe the future, not only because it's how we work as human, but because it's a hell of a lot easier to put things in production when you basically slip into the old process somewhere rather mm. than completely reinventing the process. Mm. Maybe that's your end game, what you want to do, but you can get production value faster if you're a little bit smart here. Like mm. for instance, you would do a recommendation, mm. but you put it back into the core process even before it's completely changed. Yeah, or like in our case, <laughs> much simpler. We were, I get actually tired of you know all this production challenge. I was like, can we output an Excel list Mm-hmm. with the customer's name and a yes or no flag to it? Yes, we can. Okay, let's do that and then send it. So that's, and I think this is a brilliant, uh, this is quite profound, Nima, because we do beautiful recommender engines. It's very, very advanced. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it needs to go somewhere to the action. Yeah. And then at some point, actually, the, the sales guy liked their Excel lists. Why don't we yeah. give them Excel lists? Yeah, so, so <laughs> that, and that, that kind of, uh, and, and this is, step on the road. Mm, yeah. Um, so because you need to, you know, dig smaller holes and then you can expand yeah. the holes and you can show the value. So that was, that was the retail journey. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I don't know if you should get into the new position yeah, of what we do, do now. Yeah. yeah so I think what, what's, um, like you all have seen and heard in media and the news, of course, the banking industry and financial institutions are undergoing, you know, uh, are unfortunately being used as, as a way to launder money in the criminal activities. Mm-hmm. And that has been an issue um, in the past quite extensively, which has impacted banks in lots of places around the world. And I don't know, the numbers are astonishing when you hear, look at the amount of money that is being laundered in banking as such. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and of course, Swedbank wasn't isolated from that. We were, we were of course subjected because of the vast network we have, because of our footprint in the Baltics and other countries. And, and of course, also because we are a very much retail oriented bank with a lot of private customers, um, bad guys utilize our systems uh, and, and laundered money and, and, and they're doing bad things, literally. Uh, and of course you can put the nice words on all of these bad things they do, and, and, but essentially they, they use our network systems too, in, in not very positive ways. Um, what, then, what then happened was that, um, I know, was it two year, two and a half, three years ago when all of this was accumulated with this Svete uh, Grants thing and all of that, yeah. and, uh, and other banks, but also part of that that sort of um, chain of events. Um, we of course needed to kind of take in your holistic view on the whole topic and and kind of recognize that we were of course working with fighting financial crime before and that as well. But I think we kind of need to again consolidate our effort mm. and also really making an intelligent bet into the area. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, I've, I've seen when people used to do these investigations of fighting financial, you know, this your classical network analysis and all of that. But you had to imagine yourself like 25 different windows open yourself and you had like 35 different Excel sheets and you're trying to like row 28, row 85, row 2065. This is actually a very good AI problem to solve. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, you know, it classifies like this is good or bad. Um, so mathematically, you know, you, you're trying to think that this is, uh, so what the kind of service we were providing to actually classifying customer rules, buy something or not, could be very easily transferred into, is this a good transaction or bad transaction yeah. as a classification exercise? Mm. So, so that's how I, I kind of entered in, or we were entered into this domain that actually the bank prioritized that guys, you guys are doing some really good stuff. Uh, but so, so no. someone came and knocked on the door and said, yeah, look, we yeah. need to look, can you classify and look in, into the, AML stuff. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, well, yeah, exactly. That was this. And, and I get money laundry. Yeah. And it, it started by someone was actually buying a, was going to buy a very expensive consultancy service for doing that same thing. And I was like, shouldn't we be able to do that? Because that's, you know, it, we know the data. We have the, we have working with you guys who are domain expert. You know, we can build this. It's, it doesn't have to be any deep learning stuff. It can actually turn out to be a logistic regression model. Yeah which is now, you know, helping X numbers of millions of customers being scored in real time and, you know, getting all of that, um, you know, predictivity, so, uh, predictability into that. So uh, did your, did your title change with this? Because well, I think you have your- Yeah, yeah, my title changed with this. Yeah, that's, that's a funny part. And so I was, we were working like a gorilla before this. So we were like, you know, um, head of the data analytics or AI or something like that. And we were a much smaller group. Uh, we were some sort of a both business and IT or tech. Actually, we talk about tech Did now. You, you organize under IT ultimately or under business? And that's the thing. We, we, we don't really have IT anymore. Oh. And so IT is embedded into business. When did that change happen? Well, that happened three to four years ago, I okay. think. Yeah. Okay. So that's actually a really nice move we've done. Uh, um, so every then business area group function then have it could have its development capacity mm. uh, and then based for the, for that particular domain. So there was then, um, so basically I was then in the. Yeah, wait, 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 unpack on that. So isn't that like the trap? So you actually didn't create like a silos or because if every domain expert has their own capabilities, then mm. how the data communicates. Yeah, no, but that, that's the thing. We have our group layer of data, which is common. Mm-hmm. But then you build your services on top of it. So that's how you do it. So, so the service development for that particular domain is in one is, is in, domain. Yeah, in one, is in one domain. But there's common data and then common underlying so there's infrastructure. There's a common infra team. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's common infra stream. Uh, they are actually then called, I think they are the only ones guys still EIT. Yeah. <laughs> so the IT, so that's what, what you define as IT outwards mm-hmm. is hardcore. Yeah, yeah, how hardcore infra, yeah. <laughs> basically the, the server guys. Yeah. We joke about that. Uh, so who's doing a fantastic job, by the way, I should say that. Uh, so they were there and, and providing that serve, um, that underlying platforms. And, and then we were building our, or we are not building our stuff on top of it. So that's, um, that's how I started. And I, you know, we were in, I was, or my unit were part of this no man land because we were there. We were purely business. It was a developing unit in the business capability, which created a lot of friction in a, in a regulated world. Mm. So uh, as a first January, then I got an opportunity to actually then come over to one of these, to the anti-financial crime unit, 
sounds actually really cool, you know, it's almost like CIA. CIA like that, yeah. AML with yellow on black. Yeah, yeah AFC. Yeah. Um, and then AFC, as, as part of that journey, then of course, then actually being involved in not only the AI part, but also actually the entire stack of development, which is now including also cyber. Mm. Uh, area, um, you, know, you know, your customers' KYCs and then the anti-money laundering. But what we said that the whole reason of this uh, new position or this logic, because we also bring together a lot of new capabilities, was that now we're going to take, I mean, we do see there is an end-to-end uh, reasoning or process thinking, holistic view that all of these different components domain are actually connected to each other, if you think about from a crime perspective. Yep, I get it. And, and each of these domains create a significant numbers of, of, of data points. So what if you actually utilize a layer of analytics on top of this to extract intelligence that can serve in these domains? So what you're saying then, that you're sitting within one domain, mm-hmm. but your domain has a kind of different flavor because many parts of the bank need your service Yes. on the one hand. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, for you to do a really good job, you mm-hmm. need data from all the different domains. Yeah, exactly. The data so, part needs to come from production systems so, that could so, be So even if you're putting yourself in one domain, mm-hmm. a AFC, mm-hmm. uh, the way you work mm-hmm. is not so much it's different flavor. You need to go out and serve others and you need to get data from others. Yeah, exactly. So that's, um, that's, that's my everyday life. <laughs> but but that, that is interesting because of course, then this becomes the, your tech stack or how you need to work with data and what you are expected to do and serve and mm. data you want from everybody. Mm. You always want to find data and allow, be allowed to use other people's data. Mm. And you always need to convince other people to use your service rather than build their own. Yeah, Is that fair? Um, when it comes to building other services that actually everyone comes to us to build because we, we have kind of got the group mandate to, to build those services. Yeah, and you got the brand, so people are starting, you get the pool. Yeah, we get the pool, so that's, that's not nice. an issue. That's but nice. the, but I think, that, and, and I think if we talk about it's the bank's data, it's not no one's data in that yeah, sense. Yeah. So, but, but, but still we need to make sure that to bring together and still con- try to consolidate even further all of these fragmented data yeah. islands. Yeah. Um, and is the culture there, sharing is the new black? <laughs> <laughs> Um, we use that terminology. Yeah, that's a, that's the first one I heard. Um, it's getting there. Yeah, yeah it's getting there. I think, uh, particularly if, when it comes to fighting financial crime, you really need to have the three sixty five view. Yeah, trying yeah. to and, and so, so you have a very good case. Where we have a very good case. And compliance um, pushes. You, we need to share data for compliance reasons. Yeah, it's usually a good one. Yeah, <laughs> regulatory bodies <laughs> the one demanding it. So that that actually, and I mean, it makes sense if you think about it. You, you can't really you can't fight crime with no. half your eyes blinded, right? That's a good one. Well, speaking about the banking industry, mm. and it's probably one of the industries that have the strictest regulation in place mm. to also make use of the data. And uh, I have some friends working in the banking, uh, banking in industry, and, and for them it's a really tough challenge. <laughs> yeah. How can you actually make that happen? How can you actually do extract data and work that in a, perhaps a centralized way and still comply with all the regulation that you have to comply with? Honest answer? I don't know. Every day is a new day. Mm. It is hard, right? It's really hard. But but how, how do you see... But perhaps we can just follow up you know, a bit on that and say, okay, so how big is the problem? Is it really the case that you are not able to use data and AI to the extent you would like to because of regulation today? Or do you think you can find ways around it? Or is it really limiting your ability to make use of data. I think it's about translation and knowledge. 
So let me explain that. It's, it's, I mean, no one tells us you can't use the data. Actually, things that are, are Swedish and, and Nordic level, uh, the regulatory body's knowledge in this area is increasing. I mean, I, I actually was surprised when I read in one of these, you know, directives that came on the banking that, hey, we want you to use machine learning. Mm. I was like, what? Okay, we want you to use real-time data. I was like, what? what? Okay. So, so that knowledge is increasing from a regulatory body. So that's good. I think what is matter is that when you develop these services, because no one prevents you from developing these smarter intelligence services, uh, is the being able to explain it. Mm. Because the control bodies who are actually going to make sure that you, you know, you actually catch the bad, bad guys. Uh, compliance wise, you are supposed to regulate from a regulator point of view, you have to do anti-money laundry. Mm. From another regulator point of view, you have to comply with data rules. Mm. And those two is sometimes hard. This is where you need to explain why we're doing it so everybody's happy. Yeah, but I think that particularly, if you are referring to, for example, data privacy, that particular challenge is, is uh, I think we've been able to manage that and doing the pro- fairly good. Uh, so we don't have that particular issue. So it's like, because I think so GDPR, for example, is not a major issue. GDPR you. is uh, de- depending on, because if you, if you, you know, you are entitled to use uh, data, yeah. um, you know, even private data to some extent for for um, Legis- you know, fighting for legislative purposes and yeah. legislative interest. I think this yeah. is really to really yeah. understand GDPR. How the, it's the purpose, yeah. What is the purpose? So I mean, you can't use that. If, I mean, if you have a name mm. or an address, what is the purpose of using that data? If the purpose is to actually fight financial crime, fine, because mm. that. But if the purpose is to you know sell you I don't know <laughs> a car or a type purse in an intrusive way, then no. So, and, and I don't find that to be an issue, honestly. Uh, I think it's more about that when you build these black box things, yeah. which we love to do, yeah. because that, how do you explain that? And what would you say, I mean, is it that a regulatory body comes and say, you know, you need to be able to explain each prediction, otherwise we can't use it? Or is how strict is the regulation right now? Well, it depends on, depends on what, I mean, if you want to use for classifying risks or if you want to do to, you know, prevent or block something, it depends on the severity of your actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I mean, you can take it all the way, if you want to, uh, classify if someone can get the credit or not. Of course, it would not be very good if you are biased in your data and, and mm. your model, you know, can't explain why, you know, you know, a white guy gets it, but not the other guy. Mm. That's I'm not actually a- surprised to hear this and, and it's uh, positively surprised that it is, it actually does work to use data even without, within the banking industry. Mm to a large extent, mm. right? Yeah, no, I so? mean, yeah, it is. I mean, I think our biggest challenge, again, is not the usage of data. Mm. It is a matter of, of, um, of, of again, being able to explain uh, in an understandable way, not not showing, you know, this is the line of code, please, mm. compliance, please read it. Here you go. But we need to unpack this because between the lines here, why do you think it's, because w- when we talk to different people, we get different views on how, how difficult it is. Mm. And my hypothesis is that in between the lines here, I, I read some people have basically come further in how deep they have gone and trying to understand the law and then interpreted the law mm. and then made a framework within the bank of how to work. And then all of a sudden the whole anxiety goes down again. Mm. I mean, like, I think a lot of exi- anxiety that I see is that I meet people and we discuss this and they, we, we are all very uncertain what it, what it means. And we had had no one with the authority to sort of, this is how we interpret it in our company. So have, have you done a big piece of work here in Swedbank to sort of 
get your point of view, how you want to treat it. And then basically that's why your anxiety level of this is way less than someone else. I would say there is uh, perhaps not yet a group common framework or you know a piece of document that describes and that would be applicable to everything. Because it's different use cases. Yeah, because different use cases. But rather, I think we try to chop off the elephant into categories and say for this type of categories of, of you know, usage, uh, this is this is our you know uh, our risk appetite, and this is what the things we can do, and this is the this is the no go zones. This is very good, by mm. the way, that you ha- you have scaled the onion on this, and they basically found a way to tackle it. Mm, yeah, I and think. I think there we have a really good cooperation, actually, with, with you know all the regulatory bodies within the bank of second line and third line, and mm. and and I think people understand because at the end of the day. Um, you can also prevent, you can prevent uh, financial crime by recruiting an additional 3,000 people. Mm-hmm. But that's not sustainable. Financial crime is, you know, very understandable and, and um, morally, you know, acceptable thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's easy to to motivate that this is something we really should do what we can mm-hmm. in terms of data and AI mm-hmm. to prevent. Yeah. But I think one, one of the most classical examples otherwise is, you know, should you get a bank loan or not? Mm. And using machine learning for that. Yeah. And I, I have myself used it a number of you know talks you've given. You mm. know, is it okay to use machine learning that potentially is not explainable? Mm. That mm. is making the decision if a certain person sh- should get a loan for an apartment or a car or whatever. Mm. What is your thoughts about that? And, and you can speak like hypothetically. I mean, it doesn't have to be about mm. Swedbank in general, but what is your thought about the ethics around you know making use of machine learning? For decisions like this, mm. I think if we, I would like to go back to the original. Uh, I mean, to the value we would create for our customers, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, there's a lot of people's families, you know, young people who are about to get their first mortgage, for example, or mm. getting that consumer loan to buy that TV or whatever that might be. I mean, there is uh, some sort of usage behind this and a value that that particular product or service adds to to the client. So, and. Um, um, if you still somewhere like me believe in the good of man, <laughs> you know, yeah. I like to think that people are generally good. <laughs> um, and then you try to kind of infer that into your models. You know, what I would like to say that, you know, you don't want to, because I think there's a couple of challenge here. You can build your traditional, we can build your machine learning models, complex, black box, or, you know, more explainable. You can use your data unbiased or biased. Mm-hmm. Um, I would always like to put the line on on the sort of say the um, the side that's um, that's my personal view, so not the banks probably, but but that I would always like to put the the the, the bar on on where I free Jarhelen Feller. So I, I don't. I mean, I this, that's why when when we have been encountered situations where we are, you know, opting for. I mean, should we make this very complex and unexplainable, or should we utilize that data which is really good and, and accurate and real time and all of that versus that data which is you know very broad, but um, captures all you know social aspects and demographics and all that. But we of course always go up for that part. And that makes sounds like a very safe answer, but honestly, because I don't want any position where I, you know, someone comes in, I want to get a bank loan and, you know, I built the model or someone built the model, which, you know, disqualifies you because, and you can get that house, you can get that, you know, boat or whatever you want to get. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there is that, if that means that the efficiency, because at the end of the gate, it's an efficiency and the cost yeah. related to it, you know, super accurate model, you know, 99% times is it right. And, and, um, 
um, you know, uh, versus the actually pragmatic pr- working. Pragmatic working meaning explainable and, and free and, 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 and feller. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, is what you're saying? It, it's a balance between you know being able to have a understandable or interpretable way of making a decision versus mm-hmm. being. You know, too extremely data driven, which probably is good from the bank point of view to to simply do, but mm. it's not potentially morally or uh, ethically, you know, potentially always viable to do that. Is, is that what you're saying? That yeah. this is the bi- a balance you're trying to find? Or? Well, actually, I think I don't think it's so much of a balance because I think we as a bank has taken that stand that we are always going for the moral. Mm. The moral it becomes the explainable. Yeah, one because that's still the. I mean, this becomes like philosophical. That is sort of the fundament of humans. Yeah. So, so the point of view is like, yes, we want to use AI and machine learning, but we we need to balance what we potentially could do with what is sort of morally or explainably the right yeah. choice. Point, yeah, uh, I which mean, is uh, a little bit on the pragmatic side, I would say. But I, I like that thinking. But I think we become much, very much more mature in our thinking. Myself, I mean, I, I love you know when I first got my first hands on in one of these, you know, it wasn't called to hold one of these deep learning books or whatever. I was like, wow, this is something I really need to build. And in my new and my every my new positions, like we need to hire these super duper PhD super data scientists who can build this on a multi layer neural network, whatever, whatever. So that was, that was, um, I can raise my hand and I say, honestly, confess that that was me. So I did all, I've done that. So, but you have taken one more loop around this now. Is yeah. That what we're saying? Yeah. Actually coming back, coming back to very much down to earth. You know, if you can but, but do let, it, let me challenge that then yeah. and, and take the nerdy kind of data yes. scientist yeah. that you spoke about yeah. and, and take that side <laughs> and say that imagine <laughs> that it was possible to use a super deep neural network model. Yeah. But actually, it could explain itself, and it could perfectly explain, perhaps even in natural language, why it made decision of why you should get mm. the loan or not. Mm. Would that make it okay to use uh, the deep learning model? You think it, it can be explained and it can be validated? Why not? I mean, mm. it's not the model construction itself. I think this is the validity of the explanation that yeah. is important here. Yeah. Because I usually try to, for one, contrast a bit the deep learning models worth with, uh, versus, for example, the logistic regression. And people say, ah, oh, we can so easily understand it. Just look at the coefficients. But I think that's so wrong because, you know, they have so many issues with, you know, what these coefficients really mean. Mm. And it's, it's really dangerous to trust them. Mm. And, and you can also contrast it in another way saying, if I instead ask Henrik, and Henrik is going to make a decision if I get the loan or not, and he says, no, Anders, you're not getting the loan. And then I said, why? And Henrik says, well, because I think... I had a bad day. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you had a, but yeah. that's human, so that's okay then. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, the, the level of like demand on explainability from humans is surprisingly low, I would say. Mm. And I think actually that's correct uh, in some way, it's com- co- compared to AI. But mm. still, if we can have AI that starts to move in that direction where you can have explainable mm. deep learning models, for example, do you think there will be a future for that, even for the backing industry? Assuming think, it can be validated. I think it's the inevitable road yeah. to go yeah. uh, in, in this world where we are driven by cost efficiencies and operational but, efficiencies. But, yeah. but let, let me try my theory on this, because mm. my hypothesis here is that we have some sort of comfort zone or what we are used to or practices by legacy or, or this is dogma, how we have done things, mm. or whatever you want. And we are sort of cons- consistently pushing the boundaries and that, and it's, and, and this is an evolution. Mm-hmm. So if you, if, if we ask the same question, 
uh, we will sit here 10 years from now and we will talk about deep learning is uh, like a linear regression. Should we really do quantum computing on the loan? <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to have exactly the same question. Well, you know how to touch my nerve, I guess. Yeah, I, know, I, I, I know how to. <laughs> you should never do that with quantum computing. <laughs> no, but you see what I mean, right? So I think it's a little bit like when we work on this, we get excited by the new tech. Mm -hmm. And then it's this sort of classic market window. What's the window of society to use this tech? I mean, it's like mm. uh, me and Goran, we want to sell uh, deep learning training. We tried to sell deep learning training to the open market uh, failed two years ago. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, the market wants to buy Power BI training. Mm. Okay, so the market window, we were too, fa too early, mm. and, but then this window moves, right? So isn't it the same here that what is not possible right now has nothing to do with tech right now, but it has to do with the societal ethic and moral and culture and it's uh, our and maturity. Maturity, maturity yeah. I guess that's yeah. the right. No, but word. I mean exactly. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you said it really well. Uh, we need to step back. <laughs> it's kind of hard to sit from around yeah, saying yeah, that. Yeah. But ah! no, no, but I, mean, I think we need to step back. It's a big too much hype around yeah. this. I mean, there is this AGI or, you know, this general mm -hmm. part and this, you know, um, too many people doesn't even know what it is. Yeah, so yeah. when I, they don't I, even I, know I, what I mean, it is. I think it's really exciting what's happening with, you know, all of these uh, pre-trained language models and the amount of data that goes into that. But that also means that, you know, you need to probably put down a half of a rainforest to, to power those. We actually mm. don't, uh, but okay. Yeah, man, but, but, no, but no. You, you do, you do quite no. a lot. I mean, some of them are, some of them are not, but I mean, I think that aspect of, of some of them, uh, uh, that's one of the aspects we're looking at right now that the can sustainability be the sustainability, great. because I mean, we actually have, within Swedbank, we're looking quite a lot and going to the sustainable direction. And we're talking about, and now we know, I understand there are like libraries in Python you can use to understand the sustainable, you know, the, the carbon footprint assessment or whatever that might be. Right or wrong, um, I think the evolution needs to happen. The technological development is part of human being and that needs to, that needs to be continued. Yeah. I, I just need to put on some kind of footmark here from yeah. a technical point of view. And there certainly are so, so many. <laughs> Go for it, Anders. I mean, there certainly are so many bad ways to do it. And, and one of the worst ways we've seen, especially in NLP, as you say, is that every language, for example, should have their own model trained from scratch, which mm. basically take like a half of a rainforest <laughs> to, to train, which is horribly bad. But there is so much more advances that happened in recent years that doesn't make that necessary. Yeah. And you can do easily with a, even like a few points, like a few hundred points uh, of annotation, you can try and, uh, train and fine tune models that actually work for your use case. Mm. And it's super cheap. Mm. So the whole, you know, pre-training versus fine tuning kind of, um, process that you have today is is very efficient. Mm. Yeah, but I, I remember when we had uh, the, the year closing and uh, Anders, we were doing our top 10 list of our trends uh, and, and Anders was like, more or less like a kid in his 12-year-old uh, kid, super excited, like, you need to understand that we have gone past, you know, cutting down rainforest. You can do active learning. You can do this and this and this and this. So it's, the evolution is going on right now. So we have had this topic. It hasn't really 
been so big, but the whole uh, sustainability footprint is, mm. is a huge topic. And and the first model, and I, I like, like if we say GPT-3, yes, then you, you know, cut it down. There is even thinking about doing a Swedish GPT-3, yeah. which I... Mm, Not, let's talk yes. about cutting down rainforests. Yes, but yeah. the, but <laughs> then, we, then, then we move to MT5. And we, we, or whatever. So simply by going from GPT-3 to, uh, to MT5, mm. The, the the footprint has drastically reduced. I mean, that's, isn't that great? I mean, we need to have, I, mean, I think. So we know this is happening, but this means you really need to stay on, on the ball game the whole time. And then mm. we have this, that's why we, we talk a lot about innovation too. Like, mm. do we want to do uh, completely disruptive innovation and all that? And, and what I also have understood is mm. in one way, we want to do that to do first principles and reinvent on a macro life cycle scale, everything we do will be incremental. Even the big shifts will be incremental. Why? Because every year there are innovations done. So to do a leapfrog, it doesn't really, well, you're going to do another leapfrog in one more year. So you need to, cons you need, I mean, like you can't say, are we going to have an, a, C, a GPT-3 strategy for the next five years? Mm. It's already old. It's empty <laughs> five now. So, so it's like, do you see what I mean? Like, so this, this progression, what is, you know, we always need to test the boundaries. Mm. But then what I like with your philosophy, Nima, is that you need to test it, but then you need to sense where is the market window? Where is the culture window right now? Mm. And then basically, you know what? I can do that, but I should do this. Mm. And I think also, you know, connected to what happened yesterday, you know, we had this big proposal from the EU about uh, regulation. Okay, are we, are we changing topic now? Uh, is, is this? Yeah, let's help the producer. Let's help the producer. You know, are we? Are we? Just, no, but let me just finish um, the discussion about the technical advances that's been doing. So, for one, we we can train and fine tune models in a very, very much mm -hmm. more efficient way these days. We can also do explainable predictions in a surprisingly efficient way. Mm -hmm. But there is a big disconnect between research yes. advances versus and what you can use in yes. industry. So it takes a lot of time, but uh, there is surprising uh, advances happening. Mm. And, and it's actually one of the specialties that we do in Peltorion, which is explainable predictions. And we have mm. a person that can actually generate, he's doing his PhD on this, and generate like natural language explanation saying, you know, this is the reason why you should get a loan or not. Mm. And it explains it in like a sentence saying, mm. uh, you should get a loan because blah, blah, blah. And it's kind of amazing. So, yeah, so a lot of stuff is happening. Uh, yeah, it uh, hasn't really reached the mainstream. No. You know, then I think sure. maybe could that be because of this, again, this topic of domain knowledge? Because mm. when you put that, I mean, we've looked at a bunch of, you know, when we did used to do chatbots, um, you know, a couple of years ago, quite a lot, and it was because we really, we still have a bunch of chatbots in house. And then we try to, and we have, because of our footprint across many different markets, of course, there is like Estonian, Latvian, Lithuanian, Russian, and there's like very different variations of Russian, and there's like Swedish, and then you have, you know, Swedish, English, mixing. Yeah, and you have all of these different variations. And then on top of that, you then add the financial lingo. Mm -hmm. And then you try and train a model. Mm -hmm. How good do you think that works? <laughs> not, not that really good because then you talk about, hey, I want to have a, a three years uh, hedged, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah product. Can you fix that to the chatbot? Chatbot, like, hedged. So you find yourself in really peculiar situations, right? Yeah. 
So I think then again, having the the, the, the domain then incorporate, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely agree with mm-hmm. you. I mean, we need to then bridge this academic research world to the actual applications yes. world. And, and there is the domain knowledge necessary to yes. bring those together. Yes. Um, so that that is also, another, I think, one things that quite a lot I mean, we're not doing that that much as we should. Uh, we kind of recognize the need of it. Mm-hmm. But, but then, of course, we need to more cl- work closely with research bodies and universities to be able to bring that together into one holistic view. Mm. Because, again, it's like very different worlds, right? You, we, we do quite a lot of work with universities. We have PhDs, industrial PhDs, coming people coming in and then really, really cool stuff. Then it's like, oh, I can't need to put this into this, yeah. you know, real world. And, and, and you gave it a good, sorry, the yeah. best example is even inside the bank right now. And we talk about the challenge of sharing and using data. Mm. And if I go into an application of anti-money laundering, AFC, not really a problem. But then I go into the other topic of uh, recommending a loan or even trying to sell something. Mm. So it's, you get quite narrowed down in the different categories mm. where you will then have this is where you have the GDPR challenge. Mm. This is where you have the ethical biased, uh, you know, uh, algorithm problem mm. and, and in anti-money law is something else. So truly this domain specific, so take this ultimate research and mm. then figuring out how it applies and how we can use it. Mm. Uh, it's quite, you need to be super advanced both on a domain side on a quite narrow domain mm. as the hardcore tech. Yeah, I guess that's I, I what think you're that, saying. That's that that yeah. It's not enough that, to say financial domain knowledge. It's no, no, I mean you need to bring it out, of course, very much into the details. And and one of the cool applications, one of the things I'm really proud of, uh, I think I should say it because I wouldn't give any shout out to those guys who actually built this. It's it's when we actually brought together these domains of you know things like investment advice, which is very complex, super yes. regulated, yes. and then we put that in the context of okay, this needs to be regulated, it needs to be controlled because it's important for the trust and mm-hmm. customers need to trust us because if you want to you know, invest your money, exactly. <laughs> you need to be able to tell you know things have been uh, following the playbook. Uh, and how do you do that? How do you introduce AI into making that control of that investment advice or that review that has been done properly? So I think there again, um, I think what what we are need to step into is the marriage of also different business do- technology domains mm. that we doesn't utilize very much. Now we talk about AI, but what is really AI? And then now we 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 took that AI part, which is you know some sort of character recognition in our case or language models. And then we put that together in an RPA solution, a robotic solution. And then we put it into the cloud. And that's where magic happens. I mean, literally it gives me goosebumps. And these guys like were able to some things overcome data challenges, privacy challenges, you know, technology interpretation challenges, AI challenges, training. Can you get, give some concrete examples? Mm. I think it's, it's so interesting to, to hear about, you know, especially the good examples of what that does work or not. So, so if you just, you know, unpack a bit more. Tell us the can, story in, in reality. If you could Shout give some simple, you know, I, I know you can't probably go into too extreme details, but mm. just to make it a bit more concrete for the people listening in, and if they want to get inspired for what did actually work well, as you said it did. Yeah, and, and I think we are going to go present this into the, uh, See you quite soon, so I think okay. he's. he's uh, yeah, so, this, uh, so we have a scoop now. We, yeah, we get it before yeah, the CEO. Yeah, no, no, I mean he he always knows. He he, I'm, I'm actually pretty good in in sharing the news because I want this success stories to be as an inspiration across yeah. the back. Yeah, but so. but essentially, what it is about is that you, you know, when you do investment advice towards our customers, you need to be able to um, also provide sufficient controls of the advice. 
Controls or uh, con- motivations? No, no, or controls. Controls. controls audits, regulatory. Audits, 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 audits and controls. And you need to be able to, I mean, there's regulated that, you know, you you can't just say anything. Yeah. That would be unmoral, unjust, uh, mm. un- unethical, but also regulated the fact that, you know, you need to be able to traceability, audit trails, and all of that components. So all of that is in, is in has been, um, it's something that the banks follows very, very uh, thoroughly. Uh, uh, and the process to do this previously has been that very manual. You know, you might have, you know, you have a bunch of documentation that pertains to that particular control. Uh, and then you want someone to, and you have someone who, you know, need to read through all of this documentation. But what if you have actually an AI who does that control and tells you if it's okay or not? So th- it's not about the actual advice itself, but it's about the control yeah, and the exactly. audit, audit, auditable yeah, yeah. automation of audit, auditing. Yeah, or automation of the controls. Yeah. So can the control be interpreted by AI machine that can, can interpret that is this actually a good, uh, you know, has this particular advice been fulfilling the control points properly or not? Yeah, and there you have this AI solution. I mean, now it's, some, it's a combination of, uh, in this what, case. What, what, if, if we start... The, the unpacking it. What's the manual typical process and what could you do instead? The manual process, of course, you have people, <laughs> you know, looking through all of these documents. What, what, what is that work all about? You know, looking through the documents yeah. and following a checklist and, and looking at yeah, things yeah, that have been yeah. done. And, and they go doing a fantastic job because it's experience-based, they've yeah. learned it. Mm. So, so there comes also the complexity of a domain and bringing that domain knowledge into a machine who can do that certain interpretations. So there, there is a rule book, so to speak. There's business rules. Mm. What is good? What control should? What, what a, a good recommendation? Yeah, should, how, exactly. should, how should it be done? Yeah. Experience or and, and even a yeah. I mean, there is like this is this is the you know twenty five checkpoints and this is how it should be filled. And if it's yeah. done and it's like hundred points, great. If it's not, then you know. So that core process, mm. which is quite an experience, knowledge intensive process, mm. you need to have the checklist. You need to know the points, but you need to also have experience to read. What has happened yeah, in and the, the time and yeah. the effort. And, and, and what concretely did you do? What, 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 what's the solution? So the solution is, uh, without going too concrete, is that, is that take that particular documents, which is the result of that control, mm-hmm. and then, then train a model on it, mm-hmm. uh, a combination of, um, you know, language model, recogn- character recognition, you know, bit of the image recognition because so you should be able to read straight from the actual word. Yeah. Yeah. I extract the interesting part of it, uh, understand, actually extract the non part that it contains PII. So we know we don't want to look okay. at PIIs. Mm-hmm. So also being able to interpret so it. PII personally, I don't fail. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it, the, the model needs to, needs to filter out part of the document. Yeah. And, 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 and that's focus. the funny part. That, that part is actually not done by the model. It's a fantastic collaboration with the RPA. So the RPA robotics part picks that out. Filter out first or? Yeah, uh, filter out first and then sends it out to the cloud because there can so also it saves be- this in a machine readable format that can later be used by some other automated control system. Yeah, it can be. Yeah. And, 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 and then the AI machine then looks through this, gives the control yes or no, basically the thumbs up. Yeah, thumbs up or thumbs down. Classification, positive or negative. Yeah, uh, for each of these control points. And then that's then inserted back to, uh, you know, right now it's... Um, I think it's a repository and, and that, that insight is then feed it back into the, um, uh, into the advisors, essentially. The advisors, normal workflow. Yeah, the normal, yeah, exactly. So they can understand, so we can understand that because at the end of the day, we want to also, there is different steps into evolution of the solutions. Right now, we are making sure that we're doing a lot of validations that, that does the AI actually classifies this properly. If you compare with this guy who has 30 years of experience. 
So we're doing that and it shows really astonishing mm-hmm. achievements. So that's good. Uh, the next step is also making these integrations because, because again, you want to do this in real time. And, and you know, what Mickey is asking me is that guys, can we then, then provide not only the checkpoints, yes or no, but also the feedback was, was not right. Mm-hmm. Because then you actually then help people evolve. Mm-hmm. Here comes the augmentation. So, so you, you have learn. the feedback yeah. loop, so yeah. you learn. And then of course, technically you need all the, you know, you can't just drop files and there, you need to have API integrations and API picks up and you don't need to then currently, you know, you it's not really fully real time. So it's like a batch and then it's some sort of a sequence, a frequency mm-hmm. it's pushed out and then you pick it up. But now we want to do it, you know, basically by a press a button when something is done, the AI kicks in the engine, gives the feedback. Now I had a goosebump moment. <laughs> that's good. I, had a, a so Nima gave me, I, I, I have them a lot, but I actually am I'm doing right now uh, t-shirts. And yeah. one of the t-shirts is goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, because I had I had a bit of an aha moment uh, rhetorically, because mm-hmm. we is always struggling to explain. We need to go to production. We mm-hmm. talk about going to production, and a lot of times we talk about our. Uh, the, the traditional, uh, we need to have a model. That's not enough. You need to deploy the model. Mm. But here, Nima, what you did right now, you gave us the outlook. Well, if you look at going to production from a business perspective, 80% is about process, several different technologies working in, in orchestration mm. in order to fundamentally change, a, a first principles change to fundamentally reinvent how things mm. thing is done. Mm. And, and what you have explained now, if, if we decompose it, you, you have mm. RPA to take away some data. Yeah. You, you need to, you, you, you extract that, you interpret it with NLP, you send it to something else, and then you do the code and you get the recommendation and then you put that recommendation in front of the, uh, the real people. And by the way, you give them feedback. Mm. And all of a sudden, this is, that's why another thing, why don't fluff around on PowerPoint with big use cases, do them very, very narrow. Yeah. Because if you want to put one use case in production, like you did end to end, it's a shitload. You have that, several steps in different, is, uh, in different technologies. Exactly. And, and ultimately putting in production now, not only deploying a machine learning algorithm into the stack, but changing the core business process. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I, th- th- this is my goosebump moment yeah. to put uh, things in production. And in our understood. world, it happens in three months, mm. which I is that's really yeah. That's uh, so, so the team like you know worked weekends and nights because it was it was this marriage again, which I talk mm. about the integration and collaboration across domains, not only business domains, because you need to understand the investment advice, you need to understand the control, but then you need to understand you know how do you marriage an RPA with the cloud with an you know with yeah. an AI. And of course, do that. Try to make the lead times as short yeah. as possible. But 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 case studies or storyline storytelling like this is excellent because this also highlights why you need domain expertise. Mm. So it's not only domain expertise on the actual putting the box yes mm. or no, mm. but it's the domain expertise of how the process actually needs to work mm. in order for this to be fl- you know seamless in the bank. Yeah, it's hardcore so domain. Ex- so it's domain expertise on the core topic. Then it's the main expertise on how the bank is doing it, mm-hmm. how it will work in the bank. Uh, I think it's, um, we do see that to really extract value. Yes. You fundamentally need to kind of unleash yourself or unattach yourself of, of, it's funny because you actually need to unleash yourself from your domain in a sense. Yes. And look at this from a customer perspective or the usage perspective and say, okay, what would be the, you know, what would the overall experience I'm looking for? 
Yeah. And then you will then bring in the different expertise mm. and ask them to not look at this the way they usually do within their domain. That, be, that means that, you know, if you traditionally have asked that, okay, if I have a process and a process actually need to be handed in the ha- hand of a human being, don't think like that. Think that, okay, what is the control? But, but now imagine a machine does that. What does it need to change to cater for the machine? But I think he, I think Nima is stumbling on first principles here. I think so too. <laughs> but let's uh, just before we. Glad, I'm glad I'm stumbling on first principles here. No, yeah. no, it's stumbling into a topic we love. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, that's good. That's good. So, uh, let's, uh, so we gave an awesome concrete example of something that awesome. has um, turned into a proper value um, mm. for Swedbank. And uh, you also mentioned a number of other concrete use cases. And if you can, I understand that this is a. You know, not always easy to, to mm. talk about publicly, but still, you mentioned a number of other examples like anti-financial crime mm. and cybersecurity. Could you just exemplify them potentially by just trying to describe in a concrete way what are you trying to fight or help with in terms of that? <laughs> Without going into, you know, yeah, you, you know what I mean. Uh, can you give some concrete example of this is what potentially can happen and if we can try to prevent, prevent that that's yeah i mean i mean okay uh, you could do you know when people transact hmm? you know sending money receiving money are we talking about aml is this where we're going yeah AFL or AFL. afc is, is finally financial crime but i think if you're just taking money laundering examples aml anti-money laundering because yeah. this is a big topic yeah. that many including myself are interested in seeing best ways of doing it yeah yeah uh, so um Enhancing money laundering, what what typically is about that people use the networks of the bank, you know, banking infrastructure, transactions, accounts, mm-hmm. to make money that has been acquired in an illegal way to make it white. White, yeah. yeah. By by making it looks like you know, I don't know, it came from salary or came from my friends wished it to me or whatever. But but try to explain it in a concrete way. So mm-hmm. basically, you have a set of transa- transaction in some way and a set of people and companies <laughs> potentially, right? <laughs> Entities. Yeah. So you have a set of trans you could have. So as an example of what we're looking for is that you could have a set of transactions and those transactions can occur in normal ways. Mm. Like when I get my salary yeah, yeah. and when I, you know, switch my, to my, to buy a hot dog <laughs> <laughs> or it could happen in a, a abnormal way. So you, you, you're trying to identify abnormal or fraudulent transactions. Statistically, in, we're doing anomaly detections. Anom- anomaly yeah. detection. Mm-hmm. So there, there is one, there is one anomaly in, in, in all of the normal yeah. transactions. Yeah. And AML is about uh, detecting that fraudulent transactions, like one particular transaction. Exactly. And, and that is like, that's, yeah, that's, that, that's exactly it. So that's like um, uh, looking for a needle in a haystack. In a haystack problem. Because you have, imagine like Bank of Us have, I don't know how many, three million, there is, I mean, we have- Per day, right? Per, I mean, we know we have three, we have millions or hundreds of millions of transactions. Yeah, hundreds of millions of transactions. Mm-hmm. Does it mean that, so that also means that uh, you should be able to find out some kind of a model that is, uh, let's say, anonymized uh, behavioral, right? Because it's, it's, if it's, um, let's say they're a machine, not a person, uh, in maintenance, predictive maintenance, mm. is uh, you're measuring temperature, pressure, mm. different things, right? And mm-hmm. you're looking for anomaly. So the machine is working like this. Mm. And suddenly the machine is doing something new, mm. right? 
And that is the anomaly. That exactly. So how is that when you have like a people, you know, people, Human. right? Because you, it needs to be, it needs to be regulated on some kind of a, this is normal and this is not normal. Yeah. Right? So you have, you, so <laughs> luckily you are unluckily or I don't know how you choose it. You of course have historically collected and understand what sort of an, um, yeah. you know, what sort of abnormal behaviors there could be. Of different patterns. You need to build up your training set of uh, the anomalies. Exactly. What, what was the profile of the Exactly. Anomaly? So then you have those cases. And then, of course, you, you try to train your models based on these. But then, of course, you always try to, um, some of the things we do, like trying to understand the relations between entities, mm. like graph analytics or network analytics, because, you know, um, and those are, I mean, really exciting. Uh, one of the use cases I can talk about generally is that, general people switch to each other. So when you look at those networks, it may, you know, you can immediately understand this seems very normal because you don't see any particular concentration. But then sometimes you see, you know, there comes a, and you, if you then map on, for example, a significant um, volume of transactions of so one transaction of, you know, 1 million sex switched mm-hmm. not yeah. that, or a hundred thousand. But then you, you see from that comes in from one point, one entity, and then it goes out into hundred thousands of hundred sec each. Mm-hmm. That sounds strange. What what, yeah. what 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 kind of business is that? <laughs> I, mean, I remember from the Spotify days. You know, we had a lot of like uh, people try to game the system, and it was actually surprisingly easy to detect because they actually played the songs exactly thirty seconds because they know they don't get paid until you pay play a song mm. for 30 seconds so mm. these kind of bot system that try to game the system and have so you, you had artists <laughs> to have that bots. were all about you know 31 <laughs> seconds long and Is it, it was really? so, so easy yeah. to yeah. detect yeah. so, so yeah. i mean that's sort of an and when you actually plot these kind of things in on visually on yeah. networks you see that i mean and this is the aha moment you put them in front of people and it's like even you don't even data scientists yeah. Yeah. You like, i can <laughs> see that, that blue dot there yeah that, what is that that was exactly what, what one of our you know head of head mm. of head said so, well but that looks very strange. Someone, congrats! You identified like a probably suspicious you're, you're activity. A, you're a data scientist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you know. Man- manual data scientist. Yeah, manual data scientist. No, but yeah. it's so interesting. Then don't, don't be afraid of the visualization part of data and analytics. Sometimes that's even more powerful. Yeah, that's I mean, you need to be able to tell the story. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that was awesome, uh, awesome to, to try to understand from a concrete point of view. Mm. You know, what does really anti-financial crime or no, anti-money not, laundering I think there, mean? There, there is an unpacking here because how are you doing it technology-wise? Uh, I'm, I'm actually right now sending a message to my wife. So you guys... <laughs> cool. <laughs> I'm not coming home tonight. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's like, oh, you, she's like, oh, you want to off to work? It's like, do you have mask on? <laughs> I was like, no, I'm actually on a podcast. And yeah. uh, that was one of, um, that was, by the way, a funny story because one of my. By the way, we take uh, this uh, very seriously. Yeah, yes, uh, I know. <laughs> Don't laugh. <laughs> this is no, no, but this is uh, that's good. I, I actually wrote that, that everyone seems very healthy here, so it's like <laughs> yes. Uh, no, but uh, but it was funny us. because my uh, we we don't have any after works anymore. I mean, this is uh, oh, so we d- are you at after work? You're not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're not at after work. So my my assistant uh, wrote down and said that uh, can I um, 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 can I schedule this uh, thing? But I see you're off to work. I was like, no, I'm not on off to work. It says podcast. <laughs> and I was like, no, but it says off to work. I said, no, he says read the entire sentence. He says, oh. so he says like here is is the podcast. I'm it's like, the oh. name of the podcast. It's the name of the podcast. I was like, ah, oh, that sounds cool. So so, so everybody knows. 
We are not on after work. Yeah, we're not on after work. You know, no, no videos and no stuff like that. No videos. I mean, I'm up here. This one. Yeah. And Henrik, you asked, you know, can you please the divulge the exact the techniques and code and implementation details? And I guess you you a cannot, little. or please, if if you can do, yeah, I guess yeah, you probably not. can't. But yeah. could could you give us a hint on on te- technically what's behind how you're doing it? I mean, because I know you weren't buying a service. You can buy a service mm. that you can integrate to the bank mm. quite expensively to mm. do AML fraud, uh, detect fraudulent. You know, yeah. that, that, that this is off the shelf you can buy right mm-hmm. to hook in. But you decided not to do that. I mean, like, no, I, 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 we 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 use multiple of services in the house and outside. Okay, <laughs> so it's some kind of services. It, it could be can go into details, <laughs> but it also. But ha- have you been able to work in your? How should I put it? Let's not go into detail, but your normal uh, analytical tech stack or the in, in analytical environments mm-hmm. that you have built for other purposes. Mm-hmm. You've been able to sort of repurpose for this. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, essentially, it's not so much of repurposing because you put in the data and it's a classification. Yeah. So you had tech to that to do classification yeah, that you yeah. could use. So, for this so we just you know kind of you know it. We you trained it on something different. Here you train it on uh, you know a retail data labeled set. Yeah. No, ha- it's um, we, uh, no, it's something else that you train it on, and you still so ask them to identify. The time is flying away as well, but uh, yeah. let, we had an awesome you know, concrete <laughs> example of RPA and how you can help with investment advice and everything, and that yeah. was a big success, and you have financial crime and money laundering. Yeah. Could you just mention briefly, <laughs> potentially, I guess not, but we, let's try, <laughs> if you can mention briefly, you know, concretely and briefly about... You're you know, being grilled. <laughs> you're being, You're being grilled right now. <laughs> this is the grilling part, yeah. you know? <laughs> What is the cybersecurity part? Can you just mention a bit what you're doing in that area? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. You know what? You couldn't be more brief than that. I love it. <laughs> you know, I, thank you. Thank you. Let, let's not go there. Yeah. Let's not go. That, that's the one part is, I, I guess not. Yeah. You know, the cyber guys are really secret, so. No. But one thing that we could talk about, maybe I'm jumping now, yeah. but, but let's talk about cloud and the use of cloud mm. in uh, in uh, in banking mm. or, or or how you've been tackling that and mm. how you see that uh, can we go there now is that yeah, a new topic sure. like so so it is very exciting to explore mm. the thinkings around the tech stack uh, you know what are we doing at Scania what are we doing in Vattenfall mm. what are we doing in Swedbank mm. so could you elaborate on, on your thinkings around the tech stack in, in in general or what you've been doing and what are your direction is and what your lessons are? No, I think we um yeah, I don't think it's a big secret like many different banks and I think you recently read it about SCB's collaboration yeah, with, with Google. Google yeah, yeah, and and I think we like many others are looking into how we can become more cost efficient while getting access to new innovations on technology. Mm. And previously you were doing that by, you know, buying boxes on prem on prem and now you kind of realize that yeah that's not a sustainable model for many different and reasons you, you were there and your big data stack was that like uh, yeah, it was Horton or Cloudera? yeah 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 it was you know all, the, all you know all i think them, we can tick we can tick all of them you know the big <laughs> names you can find we can probably find in our in our environment and and uh, but but we are uh, uh, I still kind of proud of ourselves that we are a hardcore, you know, we are not the drag and drop data scientist. Uh, actually, one of my requi- re- recruitment requirements is that you need to actually be able to write code. Nice. Yeah. So it's it's going to be, you know, old school backend, you know, all the way, you know. Um, uh, so that's just one of the things. Uh, so a lot of Python and Scala and whatever that you might come across, uh, which is recently or, or been used in the past. So that's that's been our poison. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, you have all your big data platforms for, for data harmonizations and all of that kind of things. And, and you try to do this in some sort of a, 
you know, um, you spark, spark engine that allows you to, you know, have um, multiple distributed systems and all yeah. of that kind of capabilities. But now we realize that, okay, really good. We tried it, it worked. Uh, but now given the roadmap, the, the capabilities, the scale we are at there, we need, I mean, there is not that many other options unless you want to continue to invest so a lot of money. So that's okay to actually potentially move to the cloud, you know, even though you have the strict uh, banking regulation in place. Yeah, so yeah, and I mean, so we are, so we are, we are taking steps in that direction. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, um, so it's all, yeah, definitely. So we're taking that direction and, and it's actually moving. Well, as I mentioned, this EAC was a use case in the cloud. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And what's your thinking here? Do you think it's going to be multi-cloud, hybrid cloud? Do you think you need to can stand? No, I think it's baby steps for us. I think we'll, we'll, we, we will, we will suffice with one cloud <laughs> and get that up and running. Then we can, you know, talk about hybrids. But, and but, but, but I mean, with hybrids, there's some things need to stay, stay on-prem. Uh, probably and something, yeah. Jobs yeah, uh, I mean, but, but um, so more hybrid than multi-cloud. Yeah, probably more hybrid than multi-cloud, yeah. <laughs> I can just, you know, as a, um, a bit of a scare, perhaps, you know, for Spotify to move from on-prem to Google Cloud took mm. like five, six years, mm. and it's still not finished, I believe. So well, that's, uh, that's comforting to hear that. Because <laughs> I'm like, ah, can this really take that many times? So Spotify could do it in five years, then the bank can do it in two, no problem. Of course. Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? Yeah. Cool. Um, if we could to move to another topic, uh, I know you're rather uh, interested in leadership and you mentioned a number of people that you regard as good leaders as well. Th- Mickey Björk or whatever his name Mickey was. Mickey Björk, yeah. Yeah. Could you just elaborate a bit more, you know, what do you consider good leadership to be? Wow. We changed a, topic. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. A, Boom. 365. A deep one. A deep one. Uh, well, it's... Um, I think someone who's someone who challenged you to, um, of course, work outside your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, someone who is, uh, I like someone who is progressive in his thinking. So doesn't limit yourself what you have in front of you, but is trying to ask you to then, then connect it to his moving outside your comfort zone. You know, what do you need to take that extra step? Mm-hmm. The impossible is nothing. I like that kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, so that resonates well with me. And so if, if I connect that, that is, you know, that is probably one of, one of the key aspects when I, when I um, try to work with people uh, and, and that could then be informal or formal leaderships. So that's one aspect that that progressive thinking and, and pushing you um, in a positive way um, outside of a comfort zone, yeah. uh, giving you the means and the support you need to take that step. So not just, you know, here you go, fly, there is no parachutes. Not that kind of thing, but, but still gives you the support and you, so you can take those steps. Um, the other one is, is, um, the other one I would say is, is this, uh, uh, communication, communication, um, style and, and, and communication and transparency, uh, openness. Uh, I think those are things that resonate again with me and because that's how I would like to drive my own leadership mm-hmm. in my own team. Yeah. So it's something that you like, but also mm-hmm. something that you aspire to be that kind yeah. of leader. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, basically I'm trying to copy what I see is working yeah. uh, because I think that sort of leadership has taken us far. Uh, and, and that's something I believe we still need to do, have in, in, to tackle all the tremendous challenges we have ahead of us. That's great. Yeah, it's a tough topic. Mm. And, um, 
we just have like tw- 10 12 minutes left so mm. but uh, <laughs> it's it's i think a very interesting one and uh, you know to, to make a company work you need mm. to have great leaders as well and being able to push promote and guide and lead people yeah. is super important right uh, especially i mean when when you when you feel that there is someone who who trust in your vision because i mean i you know Mickey didn't know me <laughs> yeah. but he kind of felt i felt that comfort and that uh, um, um, trust early on uh, in your ability. I guess he felt somewhere that I could, you know, do this, and then he he let me go there. Mm. Uh, and I think that trust becomes very important, especially in the domain we are in, because of you know seven, six, seven, eight years ago when we started on that down that journey together with him. You know, there was I mean, you couldn't talk. We didn't talk about AI or data science, but I think he understood this long-term vision and perspective that I think there is mm-hmm. something we can do together here in this data area. So, okay, I don't have all the pictures, but I understand, you know, in a foggy picture that what do you need to take there, to go there, yeah. mm-hmm. and giving these you means to take there, journey. But, but good leadership now, if if we frame it is we're still on the same topic mm. what is good leadership but we now appeal the onion and say what is good leadership or are there specific traits that becomes more highlighted mm. to succeed with data and ai and and to put it even more bluntly when you're not uh, data native when you're sort of uh, you have a you have a proud history that is mm. analog so is it is it leadership traits that even rises as more critical in your opinion? Or th- because those that you highlighted, I think, are really yeah, exactly. Important. I mean, I think the whole ability to think beyond the box, this classical, this progressive thinking. That's I uh, would say that is a leadership trait, not only as a good leader, mm-hmm. but especially. I mean, especially if you want to embark on new areas, on on uncharted, you know, territories. Territory. First principle thinking once again. <laughs> Cool. I, I love to, to move into some more philosophical, long-term thinking okay. kind of topics. But <laughs> the last five minutes, no, I get into no, the philosophy. No, no, we're gonna, we're gonna r- run over. Yeah. I, I, I think we have. To, I want to go philosophical, mm-hmm. but I really, um, I, I think it's quite amazing to reflect a little bit about Swedbank uh, as a company. When, when was Swedbank formed? Is it? It's a two hundred years. Yeah, it's a two hundred years ago. Yeah. And uh, I think it, it is a little bit like uh, going down a rabbit hole based on what is good leadership. Mm. Um, my experience has been a lot that tackling to become data and AI ready, mm. you can do it in one way if you're a startup or if you're in a digital native mm. environment. But when you have a very proud history and you have a way to do things that has made you very successful, mm. You know, what, what is your lessons learned or, you know, is it different, you think, or do you need to think differently to, to drive change or to drive adoption or to go, get the ball moving uh, when, you, when, when you have a proud history? Is it good or is it bad? Is it hindering? Uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking mm. loud uh, that I, what, from my experiences that not everybody's data, you know, data scientist and knows what mm. we're talking about. They have, they have other skills. Mm. So in any views on that, what it means to drive innovation and I, especially data and AI innovation in, in a company that has a lot. Mm, uh, I actually made a slide <laughs> um, not that while ago where I said that where we come from yeah. is a significant competitive advantage where we are heading. Mm. So, and where we come from is our history and our tradition. Yeah. And how can, how is that the, 
elaborate. I love so, it. So, so essentially the whole idea of Swedbank was, Swedbank was formed around the idea of providing, you know, financial services, making the, the common person, the common person yeah. <laughs> uh, succeed with his endeavors. Whether that is, I think there was a, you know, there was a small girl who deposited the few, I don't know what, you know, equivalent to 200 years ago it was, but anyway, that small girl and deposited some money uh, and, and she had a vision with that money. She wanted to do something with that money. She wanted to save it. She wanted to, you know, buy candy for some reasons. I don't know exactly, but, but, but I think the whole idea of, of, um, uh, being there to enable other people to grow. Um, it's something that is still valid today, mm. but not in a digital context with new technology added on top of it to achieve the same goal. Yeah. So you have the proper like values that you can stick to and it's still is valid today. Yeah. 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 I think, uh, I mean, I, I love our values. <laughs> Actually. I mean, I've, I've read so many corporate, sorry, but, but does it, it mean you need to connect now with your data and AI strategy, mm, whatever you want to do? Mm back to the core values is the, is, is that yeah, the core and, value? and, and the core values is open, simple and caring. Mm. So we, what we actually have done and within our teams, we've asked the strategy to be translated from an open, simple and caring. So our agile teams, mm-hmm. our APOs are sitting. And so they have stated their strategy based on the open, simple and caring. So whenever we develop code, what does it mean from an open, simple and caring? Whenever we collaborate, what does it mean from an open, simple and caring? I mean, that's awesome. That's awesome. And, but if you take, uh, I think Google is famous for saying, you know, we are, you know, Google is, uh, is a big enterprise company. Mm. It hasn't the long history that Swedbank has, mm. but it's a big enterprise. Mm. And they don't fear that much other enterprises. What they do fear is small startups mm. that come up with some very novel, innovative ideas that they potentially can't really transform into themselves. Mm. What would you say Swedbank fear the most? Is it other like big banks or is it small micro banks or startups coming up with other financial thinking Klarna or whatever, you know, kind of solutions? What's you think the Swedbank's potential fear would be? I honestly don't think it's, it's neither of those two. It's, it's not the fear of another competitor or the fear of Klarna. Or I think it would be of, of losing the trust of our customers. Mm-hmm. So you have the, yeah, losing the trust of the customer. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But, but what do you think the trust would come from? The, I mean, we've seen, uh, yeah, the young people, you know, trusting perhaps in a surprisingly confident way, social networks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Do you think, I mean, we, we know Facebook was planning to open their own currency mm-hmm. and have Libra and whatnot. But they haven't. No. Mm-hmm. But do you think that's a potential, you know, scare that the big tech companies could come into the banking industry? Perhaps Tesla's you have yeah. one, they could open their own banks and insurance mm-hmm. bus- businesses. I don't want to sound uh, pretentious in any way, but no, I don't think. I mean, we, I used to be one of the guys who were talking about these different scenarios, but yeah. uh, what, what we see now is now, particularly in this pandemic, where mm-hmm. you need to go back to your roots again, to the core values. You want to be, a, you want to find a trusted partner, someone who could be there both in, in Nerd or Lust. So we are there. You know, uh, we're not going to charge you 275% interest rates yeah. just because it's pandemic right now. So, and, and now we see actually in our customer feedbacks and, and so on, astonishingly large number of young customers coming to us yeah. because we can actually be there and provide that sound and sustainable advice to you. 
But but so but so the bottom line. If, if you if you see it, what banks is the the, the main uh, selling point mm. is trust. Because if I don't trust you, I will not yeah. save my money with you. So I think it's a it's a you're talking about first principle, etc. That is the main sales yeah. point here. So and because that is, because that is it permeates, actually, it, because it, it's very simple as well. But right? it permeates also how you need to think mm. about change yeah. and how you need to mm. go about AI. Yeah, with that beacon in front of you. You know no. what a nice final word I was going to say, but that means it rise exactly. I mean we. But yeah, banking uh, is trust. AI is trust. But yeah, maybe to rephrase your question. So what would be, for example, if we look at banking in 2030, mm. how this will look like from Nima's perspective? <laughs> mm. Good question. Yeah, a- a- no, but that's what you're actually yes. aiming at, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, so because it's a, we are, it is, uh, so it doesn't, we don't, do not have to talk about competitors and et cetera, but actually what we are trying to do with this podcast is actually to find, uh, uh, try to, to, to just pick, picture some, you know, how this will look like in 10 years, because my kids are going to be your customers, right? Mm, At that point of time. Is that, is that, yeah, is that, (laughs) of course, no problem. The trust is what is needed. Uh, But they are actually mobile oriented people. They think differently. I mean, really, they think differently. It's not uh, morally, ethically, uh, how they they address situations. They think differently, right? So everything will change. Yeah, everything will change, but something will remain. And I think trust will remain. Even in a highly more competitive environment yes. where you can switch services by click a button or if yeah. there is some sort of an AGI selecting those services for you or where would you go? You would go somewhere where you feel trusted, right? Mm. You would go something where you feel there is more, your moral beacon is, is pointing in that direction. Mm. I hope that we can be that. But um, would you, would you, uh, yeah, you're dodging a little bit of bullet. So, so uh, <laughs> banking in 2030. No, I think you essentially what we need to, of course, we will adopt our services even more to the digital interfaces. And of course, we will introduce more AIs in, in, in providing more personalized, um, relevant user experience, you know, in the context. Hopefully by that we have this real time, you know, well, less than one second recommendations for you. Um, but also, I think also it's, it's going to be even more embedded in your daily life in the sense that in a way that you're not sensing it. Mm. The so, habit. I mean, it, it, we, I mean, we, we seem like seamless integrations of, of, of payment services coming into your, you know, ecosystem. Seamless banking. Yeah. I mean, you, you probably are doing a lot of financial, you're using a lot of financial services, uh, but you don't really recognize it's a bank. Mm -hmm. That is also, of course, a big challenge because what happens is that you, um, you're eroding your brand, right? Because your brand is what the customer sees and experiences as a bank. When that becomes so embedded into other services mm. that you don't really understand the distinguishing between what, what was that, you know, the, that virtual reality world I was in and out and paid for something. Was that actually a banking service? Mm. So it's an opportunity from a sense that you become more integrated into services. And of course you have more touch points, you understand more and you can provide more relevant services, but how do you maintain the key relationship? That's a good one. That is actually a very good I one. R- I like that. Seamless like banking, that. you will be, em- banking will be embedded, like financial transaction will take place as part of the transaction seamlessly. Mm. At the same time, we want to choose a bank that we trust, but I don't even know what bank yeah. did the service. How do you trust someone you don't see? Exactly. Mm. So, how, so your core value is sound, but will it be relevant when we don't even know it's there? Mm. 
Mm. So Good one. Nice. thinking about the future a bit, you know, and, and we can see yeah. so many different, you know, potential services. I actually is a customer to Swedbank myself, at least my, my company is and, and, and use them. And they have, you know, the, the bookkeeping functionality and integration with Speedledger and so many things that I think is so useful when you start to have this kind of close integration with the mm. bank. Mm. And, and yeah, it's really useful. But if you were to make some predictions about the future, uh, you know, predictions are always hard, especially <laughs> about the future. But what do you see coming up? Is it something you can share potentially? This is uh, something that I predict that in coming years, this will be a way to have this kind of seamless banking that will be really positive change for people. Technological device or or or, or is it news or it's like a service I mean, or what? What do you for mean? me exactly? There are other banks um, mm-hmm. that, for example, provide like um, they have a wallet service. They they provide like an overview analytics for users. Mm-hmm. They provide some kind of services. And PFM and, solutions, payment, you know, yeah. personal finance management. Yeah. yeah. And and they can yeah guided investment. Uh, you should invest in this. Uh. <laughs> no, but I, I got actually it's true. Actually, Avanza is uh, is giving you a portfolio. What is is almost like a <laughs> but that's that's you know the biggest marketing things in the yeah. world. You know the portfolio theory has been the same portfolio theory you've had since the nineteen fifties. <laughs> So it's so there is no really super AI behind it. That's the same, you know, guy who, you know, won the Nobel Prize in the fifties that, that we've just yes. put a nice digital wrapper on it. Yes. But okay. The, but, but the wrapper is there. Yeah. I know the wrapper yeah. is there. <laughs> the wrapper is there. That is <laughs> it's again. a bunch of good gooey guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but just to give an example then, um, and why I, I, I'm missing a number of things from banks today. Yeah. And one of the things, you know, coming from, you know, Spotify and the music industry and recommender systems that work really well there mm-hmm. and people are, you know, considering them to be mainstream functionality mm-hmm. and a product that they have. Why don't they have a good recommendation system for stocks, uh, funds, funds mm-hmm. and, and, and things like that? Why doesn't it exist? I think for me, it would be perfect for me if I like these kind of other stocks and I get recommendations saying, you should probably invest in this. And for me, from a technical point of view, it would be easy to build as well. And, yeah, and yeah, I, I, I can't see but, why but doesn't they, that exist. But they have it in Avanza. That is what we were talking I'm about. speaking about the sweat bank now. Okay. Yeah. Then no, I mean, I, think I, I haven't seen even an Avanza. I have Avanza as well, but I, I Actually, haven't. if you go to the mobile, no. you have the swipe, for example, like yeah. uh, actions yeah. to do. On, no, I mean, I think, yeah, yeah. I think we actually have it, but we don't talk about it so openly in the sense that, you know, when you look at the stock, you can also see that below the line, you could see it also that, hey, those who also have this, yeah. also have this other additional three stocks. So it's a, okay. it's a more of a social nudging because I think there is a lot of regulations as to, it's not a given thing that if you have Tesla as a stock that you should also have, I don't know, yeah. I was going to say Paul. Paul you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's that not, I mean, that's not going to happen right? because mm-hmm. the, even though they look the same as electrical car, you know, the financially, from an advice perspective, they are regulated that they, you know maybe there is a PNL looks different. Yeah. So there's a bit it, of more it, difficulty it behind that. To, it needs to have a statement as well, and I think there is there that is basically this is not something uh, that you should take. You should, of course, still do a due diligence and research yeah, on those things because on the end is like uh, it just doesn't. What was your story about the recommendation that the people that uh, were listening to Danish music suddenly got the rec- <laughs> <laughs> so the recommendation can go wrong as well, well right? You want to go down that rabbit hole? But um, yeah, uh, I can I can share. That. But, but I will make, certainly make sure to bring that up to the uh, product development area that you know <laughs> Anders wants. Anders wants. But from me, from a technical point of view, if I just had a data, I can build it. Yeah, like Anders needs two to hours commit as well. Yeah, yeah, one million like, investment. Why, why? But but I mean, I think you are uh, limiting yourself. Uh, it's actually much simpler. 
to build. It is simpler to build stock yeah. recommendations, but it's much more harder to build uh, general banking services because the products and services within banks are very, very different from each other. So it's not like, and, and it's not like, okay, hey, mor- mortgage is mortgage. Mm-hmm. Would you like to recommend you recommend a system for mortgage? Why? Yeah, but if you at least take like funds or, I mean, everyone is doing, a lot of people are doing it and I don't really see what, the, as long as it's a recommendation mm-hmm. and, and not an automated decision made for you, mm-hmm. um, the level of harm is significantly reduced, right? Because it is a recommendation. Do you, do you, you always have the final say. Yeah, right? but do you, do you understand that um, or can you recognize that recommendation can be interpreted as many different things. Yes, I agree with him, actually. Because so, if you say recommendation, yeah. oh, well, well, I mean, if the bank recommends, then of course it's a sure given advice. Who takes the, who takes the blame if something goes wrong? Yeah. I think and that of course, the, 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 makes the choice. But well, isn't giving stock re- recommendation one of the most regulated parts of banking and also one of the most highly certified parts of if you know to to work as a as a to, to recommend funds or yeah. whatever like that you ha- you have your certification you have your training so there this is this whole apparatus that goes into becoming one of those guys who can mm. sit on the floor and mm. do this work so i i would say there's a lot of legal red tape around this I'm sure uh, it is, uh, but many, still, many I layers. would trust so much more an AI system that I know how it works and have all the data available mm. that can process that much, much more efficiently than any possible human can mm. do. Mm. So when I'm sitting with a bank, a human person mm. that's going to advise me in what stocks I'm going to buy, you're most going, you're I'm, most I will not you know, trust that. No, no, no I understand. And I think we are right. going in that direction and we will eventually be there. Maybe that's a 2030 vision that you have your AGI standing and giving you Well, not AGI, but at least, you know, <laughs> use R- RPA, RPA, yeah, RPA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, any sort <laughs> of, a, any, any sort of, a, you know, there will be some sort of a smarter intelligence recommending you that part. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think the road there still will probably be some sort of a hybrid setup where you have nudging or you have, you know, augmentation as a first step. Yeah. I mean, uh, of course, it shouldn't be automated. Mm. It should be a recommender system. Mm. And, uh, uh, for me, but it's, it's certainly lots easier to recommend, you know, Guns N' Roses versus recommending, you know. You can get a lot of shit for that. So just no. comment on yeah, that. Yeah, what, yeah, what the recommend, recommendation engine gone wrong. Please tell us. Yeah. That's a good story. So that's just to keep it story. brief. So we've got a lot of complaints, you know, in Spotify at some point. And, and, and some Swedish people were saying, I get recommended Danish rap music. And why the... F mm. is I get recommended. I hate Danish music and I hate rap music. How mm. can I get recommended Danish rap music? <laughs> and then they actually, this was such a big problem. So they had to you know, look into this a bit more and try to understand, you know, how, how can this be a recommendation mm. that they give to, to some people? Mm. And, and then they could find this kind of problem that um, we had an asymmetry between uh, people. Mm. So Perhaps uh, I'm not saying this is the case. I'm just saying hypothesis. Uh, hypothes- like a hypothesis is that, that oy, oy, oy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hypothesis that you know potentially Danish mis- mu- uh, Danish people like Swedish uh, music more than Swedish people like Dan- Danish music in general, and potentially that causes a problem with the algorithm because the algorithm assumes a symmetrical relationship between uh, people. People. Oh, okay. So, so, so the Danish guys love Swedish rap music. So, the so therefore, therefore, needs the Swedish. 
Ja, in is also. Ja, <laughs> Uh, it, you know, it was a clear problem of the recommender system. Well, yeah, it, obviously. Uh, <laughs> Anders putting uh, Lasse Stefans to uh, everybody uh, recommending. Yes, exactly. It, it's not earth-shattering yeah. in this case, but it could be a little bit worse. If that is, in, yeah. in, in, in I take all my saving pensions and... and yeah. Okay, good. So it, it's a bit higher. Let's do, for sure. let's yeah. do yeah. that yeah. quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah, should we end yes, off? Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. Do you want to do it? Or, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, so we, we have a cl- couple of uh, classical ending mm. note questions. So the first one, Nima, mm. what is next in your life? Or what, what is sort of up, up now that is sort of exciting or around the corner? Personally or business? Yeah. yeah, personally or business. We, uh, p- personally, I'm, I'm looking forward to the, uh, to the summer and yeah. I'm going boating. Yes. So that's I'm looking forward to and, and uh, spending some time with the with the kids building a ninja rope or setting up a ninja rope ah. and, and uh, trying to climb the ninja rope with the kids. Yeah, yeah and, nice. and also I need to ask you, you as, a, as an old soccer player, yeah. it sounded, I think you told me earlier, your son just started playing yeah, soccer. Yeah, yesterday. So you're going to be a soccer dad properly now. That, I'm actually a trainer. Uh, soccer dad yeah, properly. Of course, yeah. so, so you're looking forward to your training career. Yes, yeah. of course. That's going to come back. And actually, we train my both my daughter and my, my uh, son. So, so yeah. Uh, so, but, but, is that, but is that starting now? So is your training career starting this year? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Coming it. at you. <laughs> I, I, I had the training career and I gave it up. <laughs> yeah, I, well, we'll see how sustainable that will be. Uh, fantastic. <laughs> That's awesome. And then the, the last question. Mm. Who would you want to listen to or see on this podcast? Do you have any recommendations of exciting, good, fun people, interesting people that you could recommend us to have on this show? Anyone or anyone? Anyone, yeah. Someone that actually could come physically to oh, the show. Okay. Well. Physically <laughs> would be good. <laughs> Stefan Lovien. Ah, that, we 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 set the standards high. Mm. Yeah, we try. We Episode aim for that. Th- season three. Here we come. Season three, maybe we can get it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Anything specifically that you're interested in to to hear from him? Um, honestly, I think I. D- I would like to try to see if we can invite uh, our, our um, uh, chairman, uh, Joran Passion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a very brilliant. Uh, we would love to. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant man. Uh, yeah. um, you know, I mean, everyone here knows Joran Passion, but, but I think in the context of what he's doing right now, and the support he's providing, and of course also the fact that has this ability to see the really bigger picture um, yeah. and put that in a social sort of context. Mm which we have touched upon a couple of times here. It could be interesting. Yeah, then we, oh, we shoot good. for, we shoot we for would it. love to. That yeah. would be fantastic, yeah. of course. <laughs> um, good yeah. suggestion. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know. I think uh, it's time for the after after work. Yeah. If, 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 <laughs> if, the wi- if the wifey lets yeah, you. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, I've seen like 25 messages. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you, Nima. Thank you a lot. I think we, we that was an amazing, good, energy, high yeah, energy it was it was awesome being here uh, i mean i have not had that much uh, fun uh, playing in a serious podcast like this uh, for, uh, so i really appreciate it and i mean i've I mean, by distance seen you known you interacted with you with you but i think it's 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 always much more um, rewarding yeah sit there and, and you know 
Yeah. Like meeting with a good people, bunch of people and, and friends and talk. Yeah. So thank you for inviting me. Yeah, thank, thank you for, for coming. Thank you.